The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say, uh, go Bills. Morning. What's happening? Live Tuesday morning, Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. Z-Bot here with you. It is the smoke break. It is not only a Unprecedented time for the smoke break on a Tuesday morning before 10.30, but it's also a unprecedented funeral session. Typically, I say therapy session. This is a full-blown funeral this morning, folks. We are laying to rest the 2023 Buffalo Bills. The season is all but over. You watched it come to a close last night in Orchard Park, 24-22, your final on Monday Night Football against the Denver Broncos in one of the more sickening losses you'll ever see. Uh, where to begin, where to where to start, where to finish, we'll find our way there. Don't know about you guys, but I um, I'm riding probably 2 3 hours of sleep. Just couldn't couldn't fall asleep last night. Sure it'll be that way for probably the rest of the week. I am sick to my stomach still. I imagine I will be for some time. Um, I, I don't even know. I just, uh, lost for words. It's going to be really tough for me to formulate this one into, uh, into words throughout a show here. But as you know, once we get into it, I wind up doing the best I can. And I hope that you bear with me this morning. I uh, appreciate you tuning in based on the time change. Going to see Dave Matthews tonight. Thank God I got that to look forward to. At least there's something. At least there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Um, supposed to go see him last night. Skipped that show to watch. <laughs> to watch what unfolded last night at One Bill's Drive. And I uh, got a show tonight. So I'm sure most of you will be tuning into this post-live show. To the, so to those who are watching on a tape delay, so to speak, Welcome into you as well, and uh, appreciate you guys joining in. Uh, but for those who are in live, much love, nice and early. And I'm sure you're like me. You, you woke up this morning feeling as sick as you did going to bed last night. You probably didn't get too much sleep. And I don't know where you're at this morning, uh, whether you're dodging all sorts of um, sports media possible, whether that be the radio, television, because what it's going to be today, what it's going to be tomorrow, the rest of the week, and probably the rest of the year, and, and much deserved, it's going to be a grill session of the Buffalo Bills, and it is 100% deserved. 
Um, this is an embarrassing NFL franchise right now, to say the least. Absolutely disgusted, sickening what we've seen on display for going on two months now, and it doesn't get more sickening than what we saw last night in just about every fashion imaginable, um, emphasized by the way that that game ended. You, you couldn't have a more Billsian loss. It was a peak mid-drought type loss. This team is the Buffalo – this team is the Navy Blue Jersey Buffalo Bills with a better quarterback is what we are watching right now. Um, truly baffled. Just when you think you can't be more shocked by how they've been performing, and, and we really have no reason to be shocked because they've given you the blueprint for what they are going to put out on display every week since the Miami Dolphins game. Ever since that team traveled to London and played the Jacksonville Jaguars, they have essentially played the exact same game every single week, and yet we as diehard fans somehow by the time the week comes to uh, Sunday, Thursday, Monday, whenever the hell these guys are playing, we somehow still buy back in a bit and we get boned every single time. The Bills now today, uh, over a week before Thanksgiving, sit at 500 at 5-5. Five and five. They have the same record today as the Gardner Minshew-led Indianapolis Colts. They have the same record today as the Aiden O'Connell-led Las Vegas Raiders, who fired their entire front office two weeks ago, this is about as bad as it gets. Unless you are the Carolina Panthers or the Arizona Cardinals, I don't know how it gets much worse than where the Buffalo Bills currently reside today, Tuesday, November 14th, 2023. It is the epitome of mediocrity. And if you want to go even further, and I'm willing to because it's the truth, this is worse than mediocrity. They are a bad football team. The Buffalo Bills are a bad football team. They are essentially a pig with lipstick. The lipstick being Josh Allen, of course, the cover of Madden, multiple commercials, the star, that's the lipstick. But in, in, in essence, this team is one big sloppy fat pig and shit. This team has lost to Mac, a Mac Jones-led New England Patriots team, a Zach Wilson-led New York Jets team, a Denver Broncos team that allowed 70 points to the Miami Dolphins a couple months ago, lost by 50. This team was a Hail Mary away, a turned-around catch from Chris Godwin away from losing to Baker Mayfield of the Tampa Bay Bucks. A, a, a non-call in the New York Giants game from losing to a Giants team who just had one of the more embarrassing losses in NFL history against the, uh, the Dallas Cowboys over the weekend. This team is a couple of whistles away from real. I mean, it's unbelievable. I was thinking about it last night just because I was staring at the ceiling, just, just wondering if what was happening was real. Truly rare that, that there are moments. I mean, there are moments in life where you will lay back and you will wonder if what has happened that day or right when the moment occurred, if whatever is you're going through is real. Last night was one of those moments for me where I laid in bed probably till at least 4.35 a.m., just staring at the ceiling, wondering if it was real. And it's funny. You could argue the Bills today could easily be 2-8, and eight, and you look back on it, and you could really argue they could be 8-2. and two. And it's very fitting to me, I think, that today they are in the middle of all that at 5-5. Five and five. It's very fitting. 
because in, in actuality, it's all essentially the, the exact same situation. Five and five is essentially the exact same situation as two and eight. You look at the remaining schedule, you look at the, the surrounding elements. It, playoffs aren't even in the conversation, folks. We are two weeks into November and playoffs aren't even in the conversation this morning. But I look back on it. You tie the game on the final drive and you win the toss in overtime against the New York Jets. You lose. You take the lead against the New England Patriots. All you have to do is stop Mac Jones in a two-minute drill. You can't. You lose. You take the lead for the first time the entire game against the Denver Broncos last night with less than two minutes left. All you need is another stop. You don't get it. You lose. Three games right there. It is utterly incredible how you look at those outcomes, and even if one of them went the other way, things would feel drastically different today. Maybe not in the sense of the overall feel of the team, but at least you'd have some more hope moving forward. I cannot emphasize enough the difference between six and four and five and five, or you know, if one of those games went another way on uh, anywhere else, you know, the, the 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 difference between one or two games right now heading into the latter half of the season is seismic, especially when you see the other teams in the AFC currently where you have a Houston Texans team that now all of a sudden has a winning record. You have the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers by the grace of some sort of, uh, I don't even know how to explain it. They're six and three. You have the Cleveland Browns out of nowhere who have their best record through nine games. And I think two decades, um, of course, you have the Cincinnati Bengals who outclass the Bills in every single way, even though they lose over the weekend to the Houston Texans, who right now are a better franchise than the Buffalo Bills as it stands this morning, this moment. They are playing better football. They have more to be optimistic about today than the Buffalo Bills do. That is a fact. They beat the Cincinnati Bengals over the weekend. That's a team that's right there with the Bills outside of the playoff picture. The Bills today are currently the 10th best team not just based on power rankings. The Bills are currently the 10th best team factually in the AFC. A team that many would have argued would have been barring for the one seed. At the very least, two, three, four. They are the 10th best team in the AFC. Just a little over the halfway point of the 2023 season with, what's the, what's the number right now? 19% chance? To make the playoffs. <laughs> and last night was a very fitting way to end it. Last night was a very fitting way to end it. Uh, and I'm going to just talk about this team going forward. Unless uh, basically with, uh, with the overall verbiage that this team's done. You want to think otherwise. Like I always say, very jealous of the optimism. Wish I was more like that. You, if you look at that schedule and you can somehow convince yourself that this team is a playoff team. Um, I mean, you, you, God bless you. God bless you. You are a saint of a human being. Um, and no way. No, no way in hell. Now, I, I will say that knowing that knowing the Bills, no matter what era it is, drought era, you know, uh, Blue Jersey era, Josh Allen era, whatever era, 
they'll find a way to make it somewhat interesting just to make you buy back in a little bit and then utterly rip your heart out once again like they seem to do in, in a microcosm every single week last night being a perfect example. I'm sure that'll happen. They'll, they'll, they'll rattle off a win coming up here that'll blow your mind. They'll either beat the the Chiefs or the Eagles or one of these teams that you have no shot against in your mind. They'll, they'll make it somewhat interesting and then it'll just implode entirely at some point. Um, you know, probably early December, mid-December, it's inevitable. I mean, you whatever happens, whether they make it close or not, uh, this team would either have to lose one game the remaining way or win out in order to get into the playoffs. I am not sure 10 and 7 gets it done uh, in 2023 here, just looking at the overall picture, looking at all of these teams on the outside looking in and the teams that are just inside the playoff picture, it's incredibly tight, and all of these teams have um, you know, similar records that are on track to be better than uh 10 and 7. And um, you know, last year there was a couple teams that got in a nine and eight. It just feels like a different year this year. One of those, of course, being the Jaguars who won their division. Um, the division by in itself, also as we speak today, there's just I don't know how you make up the ground on the Miami Dolphins, who I I still today believe are not uh, an incredibly great football team, but they are a team that wins a game like last night. The Buffalo Bills are now a team that just inevitably loses a game like last night. You can't argue against it. They've lost now more games against shit teams than they've won. The Miami Dolphins win their games against teams that they should be, and they do it almost every single time. The Bills now it's a crapshoot. It's essentially a coin flip if they're going to beat a team that's 500 or worse. And if you look at the Miami Dolphins schedule moving forward outside of their last three games, I don't know where I see enough losses in addition to enough wins for the Buffalo Bills for the uh, division to be competitive. So you can just crown the Miami Dolphins today, your AFC East champs. Um, so if you, if you can possibly find a way to uh, see these Buffalo Bills getting into a wild card, I, I I don't even I don't even know how you could have that headspace. Truly, they'd have to go at the absolute worst, more than likely five and two through the one of the hardest remaining stretches in the entire NFL, regardless of team. And that is that is the expect or that is not the expectation, rather that is the uh, the necessity needed from this team in order to make the postseason. And this is this is a team that cannot beat Mac Jones, that cannot beat the Denver Broncos, that cannot beat the New York Jets, that can barely, 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 barely beat the New York Giants, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, this is a team that has been outclassed by the Jacksonville Jaguars, who just got the doors blown off of them by a, a real solid, I mean, a real good opponent um, on Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers. And, I, and it's funny, you know, you sit back and you, you're thinking about all these things last night. Like I said, I'm, I'm wondering what could have been different if a couple of drives just went a different way. Um, but, you know, I think about it on both ends. A couple of drives go a different way against the Bucks and the Giants. You know, maybe today they're uh, they're three and seven. You know what I mean? Uh, or they're they're two and eight. If a couple of drives go the other direction, we're talking about like in the run for the one seed still. It's disgusting. Uh, and like I said, it's very fitting that the five and five um, is their record because it seems a very, a very solid median representative representation of just how mediocre to bad this team has been. They've done just enough to squeeze by in a couple of these games, and they've done plenty enough to lose the majority of these games. Um, and they have played their own, they have played their own hand towards losing the majority of these games as well. You got to tip your cap. The Denver Broncos played great defense last night. Uh, of course, a team that couldn't play defense at all to start the year off. They, of course, hit their stride right in time to play the Buffalo Bills after coming off of that um 
inspiring win for them two weeks ago against the Kansas City Chiefs. They take that into the bye. You knew it was not going to be easy. Vegas still allows these Buffalo Bills to be a touchdown favorite. I don't know how, I mean, they, I don't know how the hell you're betting on that. They are once again, a touchdown favorite going into the New York jets this week. I just, I, you gotta be out of your absolute effing mind to think that that is even remotely deserved this New York giant, the news, New York jets defense this coming weekend. Do the bill, do the bills score 14 points the way it stands today? Did the Bills score 14 points, eight points last night against the Denver Broncos defense? Can't take the lead until the two-minute warning last night. You think these Buffalo Bills are able to score enough points uh, against the New York Jets to get it done this weekend? Are you or, or, or are you at least confident enough in their ability to do that? Last night, they go down 9 nothing, and it felt insurmountable. That's where these Buffalo Bills are. That's where this offense is. That's where Josh Allen currently is. That's where this coaching staff currently is. Up and down the board, it is absolutely abysmal any way you look at it. And we'll get into all of that throughout the morning here. There's plenty of blame to go around, and we are going to be putting some blame on number 17 this morning. Fair warning if that's a trigger for you. If that is, we'll see you on the next episode. Okay? I'm so sick and tired of the excuses given to those who people feel as though don't deserve blame, should not be given blame because of their previous success, their star power, whatever. This is not a one-man blame game, okay? When you are this bad, this consistently, it's beyond one aspect. So to everybody this morning who's in here right now waiting for me to put this entire thing on Ken Dorsey, you're not going to hear it. You might have gotten a taste of that last night when I was on Rico's show post game, where, of course, the comment section is just on fire. Absolutely lit up when you mentioned the fact that Josh Allen's playing horrendous football, in my opinion, as of late. I understand the numbers might not reflect it. My eyes certainly do. When you take a step back and understand that Josh Allen has contributed to several losses this year, more so than I think he has contributed towards victories to some degree. When you take a look at the turnover numbers that are destroying this team, Josh Allen is at the forefront of that. We're going to get into that this morning. And I want to lay it out on the table as I always do uh, beforehand because I know that that's... uh, that's something a lot of people aren't willing to handle. And I'm just, I'm at the point now where I'm, I don't give a shit. The, the, the reality of the situation, the facts at hand need to be brought to the forefront and talked about. I'm sick and tired of kowtowing around certain elements of this team because it's not, you know, it's not the ideal thing to say. It's not the ideal thing to hear. And it's frankly not the ideal thing to accept mentally. You think I want to accept that? You think I want to accept? What's going on right now, especially at the quarterback position, the one aspect of this team that should not be the problem? Because last night, to me, if we want to talk about a blame game offensively, that game is easily 75-80% on Josh Allen's performance last night. Based on what this banged-up island... I mean, we're talking about essentially a foster home type defense where it's just a mix of different types of people coming from all over the place out on the defensive unit, getting it done. You would think that this offense 
is the unit that's missing two all pros, three dominant starters, multiple role players. You would think that this is the offense that is faced with all these injuries, not the defense who every single game has shown more heart, more effort, and has given a better performance than this Buffalo Bills offense every single game. You could argue there were three or four games where the offense was on par, especially the three games where the Bills dominated in weeks two, three, and four, which today feel like the biggest anomaly in the entire sport this season. But the Buffalo Bills defense, despite their injuries, and they're not just minor injuries, they are massive, massive injuries. The Buffalo Bills defense has outclassed the unit with the all-pro quarterback, the all-pro wide receiver, the emerging phenomenal rookie tight end, the offense that's expected to score upwards to the most points in the entire league. Defense is outclassing them in every way. And last night, once again, was a perfect example where this defense, at, at times you don't even know who's out on the field, is once again putting this offense in position to win the ball game, and they can't do it. They can't do it. Here's another opportunity. Can't do it. Here's another opportunity. Punt. Here's another opportunity. Interception. Here's another opportunity. Fumble. Here's another opportunity. Four and out. And then finally, late in the fourth quarter, as we saw in the Patriots game, as we saw in the Jets game, right? As we saw in the Jacksonville Jaguars game. The fourth quarter, they finally put some points on the board and give a semblance of some life on offense when it's just too late. And even last night, and my dad put it perfectly. I said it last night, and I'll say it again. You saw when they put it together in that two-minute drill, ran all the way down the field. What was it, six, seven plays? All they did was run right into the end zone. You look down at the clock, two minutes left. My dad said it perfectly. He said, if Mac Jones can do it, you don't think Russell Wilson can? And I knew even before he said that. The way that this game had gone, two minutes left, I don't care what the defense has done up until this point. There's no way that the Russell Wilson-led Denver Broncos in this moment are not going down and at least having an opportunity to win it. The way that that unfolded, of course, was even grosser than you could possibly have imagined. And it's just like clockwork. It's the same exact thing in the Giants game despite a victory. What happens? The New York Giants football team that can't move the ball all game. Tyrod Taylor leads them all the way down the field. There's a penalty, of course, puts them on the one-yard line, and they lose. I mean, do you realize right now? Do you realize? I mean, you can you can put you can put aside the Baker Mayfield Hail Mary. That's way less likely to have happened. I know we can say, and I, I know if like, you know, for me to come on here and say, hey, we're a Baker Mayfield Hail Mary away from uh, away from being three and, and seven, whatever. I know any, you can say that. I can say that, whatever. But realistically, not likely. Do you know how likely scoring a touchdown on the one-yard line is? That, that realistically should have happened. Very realistically should have happened for the New York Giants. And we'd be sitting at four and six today. And it's essentially the exact same type of game where the Bills finally take the lead and the inferior opponent goes all the way down the field on this defense who's been playing extraordinary all game. And there's a penalty involved, new life when you thought it was done, except in that particular moment. One, I think the Bills got extremely lucky that there wasn't a second penalty. Two, the Giants just didn't cash in. But it is extraordinary to me how similar all of these games have been. It is just mind-blowing. I don't know why. 
it continues to blow my mind because it is essentially the exact same game every single week. That Giants game included. I mean, think about it. Five of the last six games, the first half has been the exact same. It has been either eight points or fewer in five of the six first halves of the last six games. They have been trailing at half in all of those games. What does that mean? A hole is dug through half of the football game, 30 of the 60 minutes that you have to crawl out of. And it doesn't really get going until the fourth quarter. And by then, it's just too late. Once again, I'll say it. The New York Jets game, the New England Patriots game, last night's game, the New York Giants game. This is this is win, lose, or draw. All of these games have been the same. All of these games. The Bucs game was almost that way, except it was flipped. The first half, they somehow showed up. The second half, they didn't do anything. And the Bucs were the ones who all of a sudden got back into it. If you look back at that game, you're thinking to yourself, the Bills should be up by two, three touchdowns. This game's coming down to that Hail Mary that almost got hit. Right? Every single one of these games has been identical. And when you play that close to the edge, you're going to fall off the edge a few times. The Bills have just fallen off the edge more than we can imagine. You know, they've been playing some real risky type football, putting themselves in situations where their only opportunity to win comes in the last 15 minute frame. And when you play that dangerously, you know, when you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. The Bills have now won five really stupid prizes. You know, the most sickening aspect of this, and this is going into the year where I I had said, you know what, I don't really give a damn about this regular season anymore because to me, it doesn't matter what this team does in the regular season anymore. This team is built for the postseason and what they do within that postseason will define the legacy of this current regime. This coaching staff, this this Josh Allen-led football team, the current pieces that are on it that will go down in history, that will never forget so many amazing Buffalo Bills currently on this roster. That team will be defined by what it's done in the playoffs. They're not even going to have a chance to make the definition this season. And we're going to look back at this era of the Buffalo Bills, and the best thing that we can take away from it is a drubbing in the AFC Championship against the Kansas City Chiefs a couple of years ago when these Buffalo Bills hit a ceiling where we thought they were still on the ascension. We had realized now today that they had hit the ceiling. They have plummeted downward ever since. This team was supposed to do nothing but get better. They have regressed. They have not come close to that again. And as you sit here today, do you have any glimmer of hope that they go anywhere near that again in the re- in the near future? They are farther away from that today than they were going into the Josh Allen era. They're essentially in the exact same position. Because I, as I sit here today, I remind you that the Tyrod Taylor-led Buffalo Bills made the playoffs. Okay? That team today is as far away from a Super Bowl as the Bills team is today. The modern-day Buffalo Bills team is as far away from that ultimate goal as the pre-Josh Allen era team was. Farther away. Because really, the Bills could have beat the Jags in that wild card. They had a chance. Bills aren't even going to have a chance.
And look, I get, you know, even there were, there were a couple of years in the Tom Brady era that they don't make the playoffs. I get it. But like this, like this, losing these type of games, you know, I get it. You know, Josh Allen gets hurt or Stephon Diggs gets hurt, something, right? And, you know, I, I could sit here and say, hey, what are you going to do, Milano, White, Daquan Jones? But that's not the problem. That's the craziest thing. If I'm sitting here with you today, and the Bills are racking up 35 points on offense, but they're just getting destroyed on D. They're losing games, kind of like we saw on Sunday, right? Chargers-Detroit, where it's like a 41-38 game, and they're losing games like 33-30, 35-40-whatever. And I sit here today and say, what what can you do? Obviously, Matt Milano is the cornerstone of this team. They have no help at corner. What are you going to do? I'd sit here today with the playoffs out of reach, and I would just say, Man, you know, it's a bummer, but what are you going to do? But we're sitting here today with that defense as decimated as as it is. They are allowing 17 points per game. It's like fifth or sixth best in the NFL, and it's the offense. And I still see people with the fucking balls to blame this defense for this team's inadequacies. Like, for instance, last night I saw people say, well, who who was the unit last on the field to be able to win that game, the defense? So we're not going to give him credit for essentially stopping the Broncos on nearly every drive with a starting field position of damn near midfield. That defense was out on the field for two thirds of the game, nearly 40 of the 60 minutes of the football game. And you're expecting them to be able to make a stop every single time. And and guess what? Guess what? They did make the stop. Big, big, big shout out to Mr. Clappy Hands for putting 12 men out on the field on the final play. The defense did do enough to win that game. Coach Shawnee Mick did enough to lose it in the final minute. But you got some nerve blaming this Buffalo Bills defense this morning. You got some nerve. Circumstantially, performance-based, You take everything into consideration with this Buffalo Bills defense. You are out of your skull if you think that that game and all of these games, for the most part, are on that Bills defense. The only one I'll give you is the Patriots game. How you allow 29 points to Mac Jones when we watched him put up, what, six points against the Indianapolis Colts Sunday morning? That game will never make sense to me, ever. That game, 100%, I understand completely. I was at that game, watched it in person. I couldn't agree more. Defense deserved more than their fair share of blame in that game. Find me the other one. Find me the other one, including last night. Average starting field position of midfield, and they allow 24 points. You got an all-world quarterback at your disposal. You can't crack eight points through 30 minutes of football in five out of the six past games. You can't take a lead on the Denver Broncos until the final two minutes, and you want to blame the defense. You turn the ball over four times. You drop the ball five times. You can't execute on fourth down. You can't put points on the board. You want to blame the the, the defense. Play in the street.
I understand the defense was the last unit on the field last night. Do we want them to get walked down the field on? Give the Broncos a, ch- a chance to score? No. That final drive, in my opinion, is on Sean McDermott. They're damn near in field goal range, but it's windy territory. You're not, you're not sure if the Denver Broncos are going to be able to attempt a field goal from, from major distance like maybe they normally would with Will Lutz. And they get the sack. The only thing the Broncos had to avoid on that drive were two things, turning the ball over and taking a sack in the current field position they were in. And what happened? The Bills send the house gorgeous, gorgeous execution. They sack Russell Wilson within a millisecond of him taking the snap. And Sean McDermott sends an all-out blitz again. It's third and 10 at the 50. You just got the sack in a risky, risky situation, and it paid off. And you do it again. You do it again. You can't do that twice in a row. It just seemed like it was, even when you're watching them line up before the snap even occurred, you're thinking to yourself, man, they're going to do this again because you could just tell. And if I can tell watching at home that the house is coming, you don't think Russell Wilson, a veteran quarterback, can tell? And what does he do? The age-old best play in the book. The underthrow for Bill Vinovich to seal that mother effer. And I'm not blaming the, you know, the refs are not the problem last night. But you know what? The fact that you can get bailed out on throwing a ball 100 yards up into the air for grabs, underthrown by about five yards, and you can just get bailed out on a dog shit throw like that is just disgusting. It's what makes this league so laughable at times. It, it's what have you know? It's what has people nonstop clamoring that this league is rigged and that this league has shady elements to it. it, it it's it's moments like that. That is certainly not why the Bills lost at all. But it's just disgusting that a guy like Russell Wilson or any of these quarterbacks on a third and ten under immense pressure can just lob the ball up into the air, underthrow their their receiver by about ten yards, have the momentum of Taron Johnson take him into the receiver because he's still thinking the ball is continuing to go down the field, and it just gives you the ball right there. It's disgusting. It's it's utter bullshit. Um, but if you want my opinion, the fact that the Bills let loose. An all-out blitz twice in a row in that situation after already getting the sack. That, to me, is a poor coaching decision. In that moment, it just felt like you had to play the sticks. Even if the, even if the Broncos moved the ball, they still needed 10 yards to get a first. If you keep them from the sticks on third down, they're forced with an incredibly tough decision. Either they go for it, don't get it, the game's over. And will they go for it is a major question depending on how many yards they have left. Because essentially you are in field goal range, but the decision's tough because it's a real deep field goal and the wind is blaring. If you're able to just play and contain the sticks and make them make that decision, to me, that was the right call. You had to have some sort of coverage in play. And when you're just allowing guys to get absolutely torched off the line in man coverage on all vertical routes in this day and age when everyone should be cognizant of the fact that a pass interference can dictate a game at any given second. I I absolutely hated the play call sending the house twice in a row. 
You, you, you rolled the dice once and it worked. But it's like going to the casino, putting your all your chips on a number on roulette. It hits and you're gonna win, you're gonna win the chips back. You're gonna take your winnings and what you put in and put it back on that same num- number the next spin. Everybody in the in the in the casino is gonna look at you like you're nuts. To me, that was a major gamble. It paid off, and they immediately put all of their winnings back on the table and they lost every chip. But that's not really, you know what? But that happened, and it, and it wasn't even the reason, you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't even the reason. And yet again, yet, yet another, another absolute masterclass from Sean McDermott. Let's talk about Shawnee Mick here before we paint the picture that was that final play. I think Sean McDermott's one of the best defensive coaches in this entire league. I don't think it's very, I don't even think it's very close. I don't know how arguable it is that he's not. This defense and what they're currently doing with what they have, it is is absolutely extraordinary to me. I, I am utterly mind blown by it. This defense on any given series is as tough to score on as some of these defenses you watch that are more than healthy around the league that are dominating like the Baltimore Ravens defense, the Cleveland Browns defense, uh, you know, the San Francisco 49ers defense, Steelers defense, the bills are right up there with half the personnel. I mean, there are times where there are guys out there that you, you don't even know exactly who they are because they just joined the team or they're coming off the bench as a third stringer. I mean, for God's sake, Tamar Hamlin had to come in late in the game last night. He hasn't been active for any game other than last night and one other game this season. That's what's going on on this defensive side of the ball. It is a never-ending rotating door. And this Bills defense still, still has given this Bills offense an opportunity to win every single one of these games. Every single one of them. And I think a lot of that has to be given credit to Sean McDermott. I think it's been an extraordinary coaching job. But as we know, and Josh McDaniels, the recent example, he'll be the first to tell you, just because you're a great coordinator doesn't essentially make you a great coach. And when you are a head coach, you are judged far more on your inadequacies than you are on your... You, you, you are judged far more on your shortcomings than you are on your, um, you know, your, 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 your best play or your, you know, your best attributes. And situationally, Sean McDermott is not a good football coach. And he has, he has given us countless examples. And last night is, is one that you'll never forget. And I think Rico put it perfectly when we were talking about this last night. When you think of the number 13, you think of 13 seconds with these Buffalo Bills. And now, when you think of the number 12, it, and I, I couldn't agree more, you will think of 12 men on the field against the Denver Broncos on Monday Night Football in Week 10 of the 2023 NFL season. And I think in both those scenarios, when you are thinking of two numbers that can be immediately identified to a football team based on their collapse, both, in my opinion, because of Sean McDermott's decision-making and his coaching, I know we're going to sit the rest of the year here. We're going to talk about who needs to be fired, this and that. I'll tell you this right now. Somebody needs to be fired. Somebody needs to be fired. I don't think it happens this week. You go out and lose to the New York Jets on Sunday at 425 Eastern on, on a you know somewhat primetime game, late afternoon game, and nobody gets fired on Monday. I, I've lost all hope for this organization. Lost all hope. And, and the hope I do have right now is hanging on by a thread. But I have lost just about all respect 
for management if not a if not a single move is made if they lose on Sunday. And then say they win on Sunday, but they go into Philadelphia and get the doors just absolutely blown off of them, and they're going into the bye, and they sit on that for two weeks and don't do a single thing. I don't know how you can continue to do what they're doing and not do anything, and as a fan, sit back and be fine with it. They have five AFC losses, five AFC conference losses. And they haven't squared up visually or on the field with any team worth a damn this entire year, including the Miami Dolphins. I would hate to lose Sean McDermott, the defensive coordinator. I absolutely would. The thought of that makes me real sad. It makes me kind of sick. I don't know if this defense is half of what it is without Sean McDermott's coaching. I don't, I don't have the ability to know one way or the other. But I have to imagine this defense is not as good without Sean McDermott's leadership because this defense has been extraordinary under him since his entire uh, you know, tenure started in Buffalo. But I'm looking at last night, in addition to the laundry list of other questionable moments throughout Sean McDermott's career, and it's, and it's not just the, the ones that cost you games. It's just the little things, too, that make you sit back and, and wonder if this guy's ever going to be competent enough to go the distance. A good example of that would be like last week in the, in the Bengals game. Challenging that throw to the sideline for a nine-yard gain and losing the timeout when, one, you knew you were never going to win that challenge, and, two, it was the most unnecessary challenged play of all time. It's just moments like that where you don't really have a whole lot of trust in the guy to make the right decision. And I think the majority of that trust was lost in the 13 seconds, rightfully so, because that was and will remain the best chance that this organization has had to win a Super Bowl since they lost to the New York Giants on a missed field goal back in the 90s. That is the best chance that this Bills team has had since and as we move forward here, it will remain the best chance that they have had. And many would argue, including myself, that the majority of that failure in that moment was on him. We'll never entirely know if it's the majority of the blame goes to Leslie Frazier or McDermott, whatever. There's blame to be had on McDermott's shoulders. As a head coach, for you to have allowed what happened in that moment, I mean, many would have argued in that moment McDermott deserved to be fired. If you go back in that time, you sure as hell remember all the all the clamoring for it to happen. I know I do. But I wasn't ready for it then, and I'm barely ready for it now. But I'm starting to get there, and that's the sickening thing. I'm not going to sit here today and say McDermott needs to be fired, but what I am saying is I'm starting to get there where if it happened, I really wouldn't have, I wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me at all. And that to me is what's, it's really, it's really becoming apparent, and it's alarming, and it's, it's sad. When you get to this point as a fan, that means that things are going terribly wrong and things are going terribly wrong in Buffalo. And more often than not, when these things are occurring, somebody has to pay and that's usually a coach. And if it continues to happen, it's almost always the head coach. And I don't see a scenario where the Bills continue to play like this the rest of the season where he retains his job. And I don't see a scenario where the Bills continue to play like this where Ken Dorsey retains his job in the middle of the season. And I had been one that had said, I don't see these guys making a move in the middle of the season. 
But when you're watching what's unfolding, I don't know how you can at this point. I feel like it's not in their nature just based on what I feel about the current state of this, you know, management. Just doesn't feel like it's part of what they want to do. But it's not a matter of what they want to do to me at this point. It's a matter of what has to be done. But back to Sean McDermott. I can't emphasize enough how much I love this guy as a defensive coach. But, you know, we're getting to the point now where this team, and and this probably is the best, the best way to look at it. This team cannot win solely because of its defense. And when that is your head coach's strongest suit and you can't win because of that, well, then you're going to have to look elsewhere to find ways to win in different ways. And ultimately, this Bills team wants to win with their offense and the defense being the complement. Currently, the defense is by far the shining star, and the offense isn't even complementary. It's just another piece that sometimes gives you a, a touchdown late, late before the game. They certainly don't do a damn thing the first 30 minutes of football. They'll make it look respectable towards the end. That's what this team currently is. There are somehow, despite the injuries, a defensive football team with a very mediocre to bad and underperforming offense. And when you have a guy like Josh Allen with the amount of money he's making, with the amount of credibility he has earned, you can't continue to invest on the defensive side of the ball and expect for things offensively to drastically change. You lose Brian Dable. You you know, put in a patchwork-type offensive coordinator, as it seems today, in Ken Dorsey. It's not working out. And you're watching this defense be about as good as it can be, and these Bills still can't win. And that's when I'm I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, well, something's got to give. We can find a defensive coordinator to keep this, this Bills defense competent. But right now, with what this team is currently built around, and that's Josh Allen, we need to find a way to get the most out of him. And I don't know if we're going to get the most out of Josh Allen with Sean McDermott. Certainly, of course, not with Ken Dorsey either. And we're talking about a switch on both ends here, and that's where I think we're heading. That's where I think we're heading. When you go into a season with Super Bowl expectations and don't make the playoffs, there's no way that you cannot foresee a major change in the coaching staff. I'm not entirely sure if it goes all the way to McDermott. I'm, I'm, I'm almost 100% sure there's no way Ken Dorsey sees this team again next year. There's just no way. But I grow increasingly more... Um, cognizant, I guess is the word, of the fact that Sean McDermott might be in the same boat. You go back even two weeks ago, I don't know if I'm saying this, but when we're compounding these losses the exact same way, it's starting to really show itself. But here's the icing on the cake, okay? And this, to me, when you take into consideration everything, like what I just said, not winning based on the strongest suit of the team. Like, even if the offense was average, I feel like at this point, if the offense was just average throughout an entire football game, I think these Bills probably today are, are seven and three, at the very least, six and four. If an average offense showed up for the duration of the football game, I think these Bills are at least one game above 500 today, at least. This defense has been extraordinary, but as we're seeing, that's not enough. And that's what this team's currently built around based on their coaching. And it's kind of a <clears throat> it's kind of a double-edged sword the way that this team is built. It's kind of odd. Because 
the the overall acumen, I guess you could say, of this team surrounds Josh Allen, right? The makeup of the this team, the makeup of what you think of the Buffalo Bills is predicated on Josh Allen. Yet this coaching staff is built and predicated on the defense. And I think in that regard, they've done an extraordinary job. But it's kind of counterproductive when you're putting all of those assets into the defense, the coaching, right? Not only the coaching, however, but they, of course, have spent far more draft capital and far more offseason resources on defense than they have on offense under the Sean McDermott regime. You're starting to wonder if it's counterproductive, if it doesn't make sense. It seems to clash, doesn't it? My team's built around my quarterback, yet the rest of the major positioning within this organization is built around my defense. So you're taking all this into consideration. The defense is great, but certainly not going to be able to be the sole reason you win. And I have my quarterback of the future, and we're not currently extracting the most out of him, certainly from a coaching perspective, but more than likely from the overall approach to our team. We put far more emphasis on defense, so it seems. But then I get moments like last night in the final play that are the cherry on top that I think ultimately winds up being the straw that will break the camel's back at some point here. That was the most egregious 12 men on the field I think I've ever seen. And here's why. The pass interference happens. Okay. At that point, everybody in the building, I don't care if you're watching your first football game ever or you're the most hardened fan on earth. I don't care if you're any, I I don't care who the hell you are. If uh, If you're a coach or if you're a fan or somewhere in the middle, everyone watching that game last night knew that as soon as that pass interference occurred, that the Denver Broncos were going to try for a field goal attempt to win that game. And if you didn't know it, right after the pass interference, you knew it when they immediately started taking knees, okay? So Denver has, or what is it? No, the Bills have two timeouts, okay? Denver has zero timeouts left. Denver takes their first knee, timeout. Now, right there, as a coaching staff, how you don't know what's going to come of this drive is asinine. They're taking a knee. You think they're trying to kneel the game out? Shawnee Mick. They're taking a knee to get down to the final moments of the game to win it. Timeout. They do the same thing on second down. Timeout. You had two timeouts and the most obvious scenario on the planet in front of you where you could have during one of those timeouts or just in general, because it was so blatantly obvious, you could have just put your field goal blocking unit out on the field. On second down, on third down especially, hell, on first down. They had two timeouts in the most obvious scenario in the book in front of them to have just had 
the personnel out on the field ready for the field goal. Everybody on, on the planet knew what was coming of that drive, a field goal. There's a timeout on the second kneel down. And you know for a fact, without any timeouts from Denver, no matter what happens the next play, they have got to immediately run their kicking unit out on the field because they can't stop the clock and they can't change over units during a timeout. Yet the Bills were more confused personnel-wise than the team that had to completely switch an entire unit, run out onto the field, and kick the ball before the time expired. The Bills had three downs to just have the proper personnel grouping out on the field for the kick. They had three downs. They had two timeouts. And if you go back and watch it, the Bills personnel grouping out on the field looked twice as confused and twice as perplexed based on the situation as the team that had to completely flip units, run out onto the field, and kick a game-winning field goal before time expired without the ability to stop the clock. And it's not like they just had 12 guys on the field. You know how sometimes they'll throw a flag for 12 men and one of the guys has his, like, his right foot still out on the field as this ball was snapped and it's just like a sickening call because they clearly knew you had to get off. Go back and look at it. There are 12 men just blatantly lined up for the play. 12 men just there. There's nobody trying to get off the field. There's nobody clamoring for them to get off the field. Nobody's trying to make their way off. Nobody's got their right shin down on the, on the, on the field and, and you get boned by being on the field two inches before you get off of it, they were flat out entirely overmanned on that snap. Blatant, utterly inexcusable incompetence. And you know what? Maybe, maybe, and I'm, and I'm trying to find the most, I'm trying to find the worst of the, of the possible excuses imaginable because there isn't any, but I'm just trying to find something on the earth that would have made it made sense. And maybe if you go back and say that the Bills didn't have any timeouts and they didn't take them and there was just a mad dash to get up to the line, say that that pass interference didn't happen and it was a catch by Cortland Sutton instead of a, a pass interference or whoever it was, Jerry Judy, whoever, who gives a shit. Say... Say that was a catch, and the clock still ran. And the Broncos had to run up and kick it in that moment. And the Bills had to swap their personnel out in that moment. And then it happens, at least maybe you could say, you know, they didn't, they didn't have time to think about it. They didn't have the ability to get their men out on the, out on the field. It was just a really crazy situation, and they, and they fell short. It still would have been inexcusable, but at least maybe you could cling on to a reason as to why. There is absolutely zero excuse there is zero explanation for that happening yesterday and despite how bad this team played yesterday despite how brutal this offense has been and continued to be last night despite their ability to crack eight points in the first half despite turning the ball over four times numerous drops throughout the game the inability to once again put up 
a decent amount of points, the inability to have a lead at any point throughout the game other than the last two minutes of the of the uh, of the clock. Despite all of that, and despite the defense having an extraordinary day and allowing that Broncos team the opportunity to get in position to kick a field goal, despite all of it, they won the game. If there's 11 men out on the field for the final kick. And you know how the old cliche goes. It's not just one play. Of course it's not. No game ever is. But we also know that certain plays matter far more than others. And we also know that the final plays are weighed and remembered far more than anything else that occurs in the game. And as I just laid out to you, it didn't matter at all what occurred through the first 59 minutes and 57 seconds of that game. If Sean McDermott did the most simple task asked of a coach, which is have the correct amount of men out on the field for any given snap, the Buffalo Bills are 6-4 and four today with probably a... 50% higher chance to make the playoffs. That game last night was about as much of a playoff type game as a week 10 game could be. And that's how they lost it. So yes, do I have an extraordinary amount of blame to delegate to the offense and to the different aspects within that offense yesterday? Absolutely. Do I have blame to give for the defense I mean, I, I, have, I have such a hard time putting the blame on them, but do I have blame to give for having to make one more stop and allowing the, the Broncos to get into the, uh, you know, in, into the ability to, to kick that field goal? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, that game was lost by a, a coaching mistake that you don't really even see at the high school level. And when you stack that on top of everything else, it is very hard to defend Sean McDermott's job this morning. And you guys who have listened to me for years now, especially throughout the duration of this season, you know that I haven't come on here and called for Sean McDermott's job once. And I'm not doing it right now. But I'm not sure you've ever heard me come this close to being on the edge with him as I am today. And I think it's because I've run out of the ability to sit here and, and, and get on my soapbox preaching for his job to be retained. I told you how much I respect him as a, uh, as a man, and I've told you how much I absolutely am blown away with his ability to coach this defense. But unfortunately, similar to, you know, it's not just one play. It's not just one element of your coaching. It's not just your ability to coach the defense. Because even if you're the greatest defensive coach on the planet, if you can't have 12, if you can't have 12 men counted in your head, if you can't have an adequate personnel grouping out on the field for the final snap of the game, what, what, is that, what, is any of it, what does any of the other things matter? What does any of the rest of it matter? That is a fireable offense. And it's not his first. 
And if it continues, it won't be his last, as we've, as we've been proven time and time again. And many had said, have the Bills gone as far as they can go with Sean McDermott? And it's moments like last night where you look at it and you say, yes, it certainly feels like it. I can't get over it. That, that to me, I mean, guys, we, we have a, I mean, well, I, I have this, this is my work notebook here. I, I could fill this thing with the amount of heartbreaking losses I've experienced as a Bills fan. That one last night is going to be right up towards the top. Because not only do you take into account the ramifications of the loss, but it, it was 100% predicated on the way that they lost. The reasoning why I have that towards the top of my all-time heartbreaking losses. To me, that is probably the most heartbreaking loss, regular season speaking, under Josh Allen. It's up there with the Hal Murray, but the Hal Murray was the last game that that Bills team lost until they went on an unreal run and won every game the rest of the way. The Bills aren't doing that this year. There's just not a chance in hell. You know what last night was already. It's not like you, have, you get a chance to reflect on it. You know what last night was this morning. And what last night was was a, basically a do-or-die situation, a must-win game. And when you look at the remaining schedule, a game that is going to be about as favorable for you as you're going to have the rest of the way. And that's how they lose it. That team never deserved a win last night. That team was never the better football field on the team last night. That team was the inferior coach team last night. And to kind of piggyback here on, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to sit here and, and, and pile on Sean McDermott here. These are just the facts. I mean, in, in this season alone, Sean McDermott has been outcoached in, in, in the majority of these football games. And oh, what the, oh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh my God, breaking news. Do we got breaking news? Do we got breaking news? We got breaking news. We got breaking news. We got breaking news. Wow. Live here on the smoke break, folks. Breaking news. Ken Dorsey fired as offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow. Here we go, boys and girls. Adam Schefter, one minute to go. Change in Buffalo. Bills fired offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey per sources. Oh, my God. Live here on the smoke break. There it is. There it is. As we talk on it, as we talk on Changes coming up for this franchise and this coaching staff. It happens in real time. Ken Dorsey, gone. And as we piggyback on the discussion of Sean McDermott, I think what this tells you today is Sean McDermott is now being given an open audition the rest of the year for his job. What you learn in this moment right now is that this Bills staff will, this Bills organization will move on. And I think this shows you right now that there is no job safe in this organization. And I think it also shows you that there is certainly an ability for Sean McDermott to be moved on from as well. I think that's what this shows you. I think that there's a couple things you take away from this. One, wow, it happened. 
I can't believe it's happening this morning. I mean, I can, but I can't. I'm stunned right now. I got to give them, I got to give a lot of credit. I got to give a lot of credit to this, to this organization, whether it was Dorsey's fault or not. And we really even haven't, we haven't even gotten into the bulk of the offensive struggles last night, but well, I'll just say this. I'll just say this, this, this organization after that loss last night, didn't even wait till noon Eastern to make a move. And I have got to tip my cap to that. I have absolutely got to tip my cap. The urgency is, is, is admirable. I respect that. Whether it was Dorsey's fault or not, something had to give this morning, and it gave. Ken Dorsey fired offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. Something had to give. What that was, we weren't entirely sure, but I think many of, of the, the fan, you know, the majority of the fan base would have collectively have came together and said it would have been uh, Ken Dorsey, the one that needed to be moved on from, and he's moved on from this morning. This now opens up an all, a, a new reality for these Buffalo Bills as we sit here in the midst, two, three minutes removed from, from uh, Schefter announcing the firing of Ken Dorsey. We are now in a new reality for these Buffalo Bills. And I will say it again, this reality now opens up the, the knowledge that, that nobody's job is safe. No one's job is safe. And that includes Sean McDermott. The way I view this, let me know how you feel in the comments, but the way I view this, Dorsey's gone. No more scapegoats for you, Shawnee McDermott. No more. Frazier's gone. Dable's gone. Ken Dorsey's gone. Nobody else to be the sacrificial lamb left. You got eight games left. To keep your job. That's how I see this. Sean McDermott's got eight games left to keep his job. What's he going to do with it? That's how I view this. This organization shows you this morning they are not afraid to make a move. They did it almost instantaneously. About as quick as you could have possibly have done it after a game like last night. Sean McDermott, you got eight games. You got eight games to prove that you deserve to keep this job. Godspeed. Trying to find some more details. If you guys have anything, please let me know, including who is going to be taking over at interim head coach. I would imagine Joe Brady. Yep, there's the answer. Joe Brady, interim head coach, or excuse me, interim offensive. I got chills right now. I can't believe this is happening in the middle of this show. Can't believe this is happening this quickly. Uh, you know, Look it, you know me. I have not sat back and, um, or excuse me, yeah, seven games. I keep saying eight games. It's seven games, right? Seven games. Thank you, Chandler Bing, biggity bing. Seven games, Sean McDermott, open audition. Seven games. Thank God it's not eight. We don't have to do eight more. Hopefully eight and nine and ten. But when I say hopefully, I mean, go play the lottery this morning if that's how you're feeling. Wow. Okay. Um. So let's talk about this. You know me. I haven't come on here once and said fire Ken Dorsey. And I got to be 100% honest with you. 100% honest with you. Last night was not Ken Dorsey's fault. What this morning was, 
What this move was this morning was exactly what I thought would be the move. Didn't think it was going to happen this morning. I personally thought it might happen next week. But what I thought was going to happen was a move simply because a move needed to be made. Ken Dorsey was not fired this morning because of what he did last night. Ken Dorsey was fired last this morning because the offense once again looked terrible and he hasn't been great at all going into that game and he is now going to take the brunt of the collectiveness of the offense's inadequacies. And despite last night not being on him, in my opinion, it doesn't matter. See, I tweeted this out yesterday and I got shit on. I basically had people telling me to go absolutely, you know, uh, you know, swim in a bathtub with a toaster in it is essentially what people were telling me. That's where this fan base is at right now. It's an utter shit show. But I said last night, keep the Dorsey bashing in the drafts. Tonight's not on him. There were elements, of course, you could find, including the one drive where the Bills threw it four consecutive plays when they were running the ball exceptionally well. Yes, there were there were certain elements, of course, last night, but you can do that in any game, win, lose, or draw. You can find elements of a coach or a player that aren't up to the status quo. But last night, Ken Dorsey did not throw uh, two interceptions. He did not fumble the ball twice. He did not drop the ball five times. He did not overthrow players on fourth and short that are wide open. That was not Ken Dorsey last night. But it was too little too late. It was too little too late. Do I think last night's loss is on Ken Dorsey? I absolutely do not. But going into last night, it had been so bad for so long that even though I don't think he was the reason the offense was as bad as it was last night, the fact that the offense still was that bad, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He was always going to be the sacrificial lamb. And of course he was this morning. But if I'm Sean McDermott, I'm shaking in my boots as well. Because there's no one safe at one Bills drive in my opinion right now. Any more details emerge, please let me know. But Ken Dorsey out as the offensive coordinator uh, for the Buffalo Bills. Joe Brady takes in as the interim. Buffalo Bills just released a statement 39 seconds ago from their official Twitter account. We have relieved offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey of his duties. Quarterbacks coach Joe Brady will serve as interim offensive coordinator. So confirmed by the Buffalo Bills themselves. I got to tell you this this morning. If you would have fired Ken Dorsey. Trying to think here. I'm, I'm, I'm at a crossroads right now. Because I think Ken Dorsey just got canned in a moment where he did not. This is so hard to explain. Ken Dorsey gets canned this morning after a game where I don't think it was a fireable offense on his behalf. I thought the worst coach last night was Sean McDermott. If you want to talk about a guy who should be taking blame. And I thought overall the performance was so bad offensively execution wise. I don't know how you could have put the entirety of the blame on Ken Dorsey, but of course everybody last night who wants to neglect Josh Allen's recent inadequate who wants to neglect drop balls from Gabe Davis and Dalton Kincaid, who wants to neglect um, the inability to put points on the board, right? I understand. I understand 
wanting to find somebody to blame, as we all do. But last night, I had the amount of people that I had telling me that the turnovers were on Ken Dorsey, that the drop balls were on Ken Dorsey. Um, it, it's not accurate. And you're lying to yourself, and it, you look like a moron. Okay? Stupid. And you're not dumb. I, un, I try to give as much leeway as I possibly can to everybody because I know that being a fan of this team especially, there's no, rational, there's no rationality involved. Believe me. I've tried to get as good as I can with it over the years. I have gotten better with it, but I do know for a fact. I do know for a fact that it's almost impossible to have a fully rational mindset. But what I'm getting at here is that last night was just the ultimate culmination of a lot of bad, and Ken Dorsey's taking the brunt of it. But I just wanted to be known that I don't think last night was on him. But at this point, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And I think I had just said that. We'll have to go back and look. But I think I had just said a half an hour ago that this would be, you know, last night, despite what had happened, there, there would be a, there's a straw that broke the camel's back that something had to give. And I had always felt that if a move was going to be made, it was, of course, going to be Ken Dorsey. You do not have a defensive coordinator, so there's no one there you can fire. Plus, even if there was, you're not firing on, under my watch. I'll write a strongly worded uh, letter to, to, the, to the ownership. No way in hell. And you're not firing Sean McDermott because that's the equivalent of firing two coaches. Of course, you can't do that. It was always going to be Ken Dorsey. Here's where I'm at, folks. Okay, strap in. And this, this is especially, this is especially dedicated to those who think that Josh Allen can do no wrong, okay? I don't want to hear jack shit about another coach being the problem when what we saw last night happens again, and it happens again, and it happens again. You have run out. Of excuses. The crowd that refuses to give any blame to anybody but the coaching staff and anybody else named Josh Allen, you have run out of excuses. There is nobody else to blame. So you better get you better get thinking right now what your what your statement's going to be the next time last night happens. What's it gonna be? You don't have an offensive coordinator to blame anymore. And if I see Joe Brady, if I see Josh Allen go out and lay an egg against this Jets defense, which, by the way, would not be a shocker. We have seen it numerous times, okay? If that happens Sunday and I see even one tweet blaming Joe Brady, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Remember those old airhead commercials where the head gets all red and it starts swelling up and it just pops? That's what will happen to me if I see one tweet Sunday evening saying, fire Joe Brady, or that's on Joe Brady, or this offense sucks because of Sean McDermott. First of all, it doesn't. It, Sean, leave Sean McDermott out of it offensively. As of right now, what we have is a defensive head coach. Leave Sean McDermott out of the offense. 
Whatever hand he plays in the offense, I don't know. I certainly don't think, though, that he is the reason the offense is not performing well. Okay? To the crowd that refuses to give any criticism to this quarterback, you better start coming up with your statement right now before last night happens again. I got a feeling, too, it will happen again. Because it has happened for a damn near two months. The excuses are gone. No, no, I'm not giving McDermott a pass. What are you talking about, Dwight? What are you talking about? I'm not giving McDermott a pass. You listening to me? I just said five minutes ago, the guy's got seven games to audition to retain his job. I'm not giving him a pass. I'm saying leave McDermott out of the offensive woes when, you're, when you want to come around to complaining about what's happening on offense. I'm saying I don't want to see Sunday the offense inadequacies are because of Sean McDermott. That's what I'm saying. Certainly not giving him a pass. I just spent an hour talking about how Sean McDermott is very close to being on the edge of being fired. I'm not trying to call you out, Dwight. What I'm saying is, no, no, I did not say this. You said he's no longer to blame. No, 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 that's not, all right. if you, that's, not what, that's not at all what I said. What I said was, you can't on Sunday tweet out, Sean McDermott is the reason this team lost today if the offense lays another absolute egg, is what I'm saying. But I don't know when you joined or whatever. I spent about an hour talking about how Sean McDermott's job is very close to being on the edge of tipping over the uh, the iceberg here. The overall point is that I I'm saying on Sunday if the offense goes out and has multiple turnovers, whatever else, and I see people blaming Sean McDermott for the offensive struggles. You know, in a game like last night, the offensive struggles weren't on Josh Allen, but the, the, the 12 men on the field certainly was. And to me, that's what lost the game. And that's why I just spent however many minutes talking about the fact that I think that his seat has never been hotter. But it's not, you know, Sean McDermott nor Ken Dorsey were throwing, um, you know, they're, they're not throwing multiple interceptions and fumbling the ball and dropping the ball. Just to clarify here, let's talk about, let's just clear this up for everybody who, you know, we got a lot going on here. So I'm glad Dwight's bringing this to, to the forefront here. He's saying, um, it seems like you're suddenly okay with McDermott. I'm not okay with anything that's going on right now. I, I'm not okay with anything. Sean McDermott, uh, simple as I can put it. Sean McDermott, I think, has got seven games here to retain his job. I'm not even entirely sure that means making the playoffs. I think the playoffs is all but gone. I think he's got seven games to prove that he can turn this team around from a overall, I guess, competency standpoint. If this team can look like they got some, some energy to them, some heart to them, and they rally around Coach McDermott, and he starts getting the most out of these guys, we'll see. But I think that this Ken Dorsey firing points more in the direction of a Sean McDermott firing than anything else. I think that is what I take from that. 
the way I look at it, this to me is opening up a seven-game audition, and McDermott's going to have to get either in the playoffs or very close to the playoffs in order to keep the job. Because I think we learned today that this this organization will make a move and make a move quickly, and I don't think anybody's job is safe, and I think that the next logical move would, of course, be to move on from Sean McDermott. And if this continues, if these type of games continue, it is all but inevitable that Sean McDermott will not be the coach of the Buffalo Bills next season. So, just want to clear all that up. Um, wow. Check out some comments here. A lot going on here on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel this morning. If you're just joining, Ken Dorsey fired as the offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills. Joe Brady, quarterback coach, will be taking over as the interim offensive coordinator. Um, let's take a look here. What are people saying? Let's go to some super chats. Most recently in Pineapple Fog coming in with a super chat. Let's hope Dor- Dorsey's offense was at our let's uh, let's hope Dorsey's let's say offensive scheme. I think you're trying to say let's uh, let's hope Dorsey's offensive scheme was asking 17 to play a game he's not good at, which is what was causing his mental mistakes. See, this is what I'm getting at, and I'm glad that you're bringing this up. This is what I'm getting at. There is a major, major portion of this fan base that will watch games like last night and think that the entirety of the blame goes on the coaching staff. And how you are able to watch a game like last night and take that away is just absolutely insane to me. I don't understand how your brain can even possibly go there. I I don't understand how you can rationalize that. When you see what's put out on display last night and you put the entirety of the blame on the coaching, crazy to me. Now, the 12-second thing aside, if we're just focusing on the or the 12 men on the field shit, if we're just focusing entirely on the offense, then I, I, I am... Staunch in my belief that last night, the majority of the blame is on the shoulders of the guy who is supposed to be the reason the Bills win, not the reason the Bills lose. Josh Allen was a reason the Bills lost last night. And I don't know how Ken Dorsey is to blame for not being able to do an adequate handoff late in a ball game. I don't know how Ken Dorsey's to blame for staring down your defender and throwing the ball right into his hands a week after you did the exact same thing against the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't know how Ken Dorsey's to blame for firing a ball 300 miles an hour at your guy who's 10, 15 yards away above his head. I understand you got to catch those balls, but it's still a collection of both the fault of the quarterback and the wide receiver. Fourth and two, Josh Allen rolling to the right. Khalil Shakir wide open, wide the hell open, overthrows him by about five yards. How is that on Ken Dorsey? In a perfect example, last night, that play I'm talking about, fourth and short, Josh Allen rolls to the right, throws to the ball, or throws the ball to Khalil Shakir on the run, overthrows him. I immediately was told, you can't draw that play up in that scenario. It's Ken Dorsey's fault. Well, the play was drawn up 
it worked to perfection. It was wide open. And no matter what the down is, you want as many yards as possible. And on fourth and two, they could have made that game or they could have made that play turn into a 25, 30 yard gain. And instead, Josh Allen threw the ball over his head 50 or five yards above him, incatchable or uncatchable. So I'm just wondering now that the mob mentality won today. Let's just say that. I mean, did, did, did Ken Dorsey more than likely deserve to get lose his job, or was he the adequate fit, or was he going to lose his job at the end of the year regardless? Yeah, inevitable. I didn't think it was inevitable it would happen midseason, but here we are. I guess we just, we just got ahead of the game a bit. I think it was going to happen at some point. Absolutely. We just got ahead of the game. And uh, by the way, people are talking in the, you know, in the comments, Super Chat's all coming up right now. I just want to get a couple more talking points in about Ken Dorsey, of course, because I know some Super Chats are about other things, but we will get to all of them. Rest assured, do not worry. Um, but we're, we're talking about a scenario that I, I was just at this point convinced was going to happen. I did not see any scenario where they were going to retain Ken Dorsey next season. It just didn't seem like it was ever going to be in the cards. But this is now a collection of the mob mentality, of course, which we all know is a, that that is like, the mob mentality in this country as of late has become the overall driving force behind a lot of company decisions. A lot of decisions are made immediately based on backlash given from public perception. It's the way it's been going on for some time now. And as we know, these these teams are businesses. They're businesses. And, you know, something had to be done. And this is one of those scenarios where I don't argue against it at all. You know, a lot of times I'll see some real rash decision-making by companies or businesses, and I just think it's a load of bullshit sometimes where they're just doing things to save face. When in reality, the victim of whoever's taking the brunt of it might not really be deserving of it. It happens all the time. This, to me, is not one of those situations, like, at all. This, to me, is the situation that was just inevitably going to happen, but a matter of when was still in question. And Ken Dorsey was basically the, if if you were to go online and were able to condense the blame given based on the fan base into, like, a, a bar graph, I would say that, Ken Dorsey would probably have anywhere from 90 to 95% of the overall blame. I would think that if it was towards 90, 10% of it would be Sean McDermott as well. There's a, there's a very minute part of the fan base willing to delegate blame elsewhere. But if you're, if you're going to condense it down based on the masses, I think that's probably where the numbers fall. But either way, Ken Dorsey was the vast, vast majority of the blame amongst the fan base. And you couple that, of course, with what we've seen on the field. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Obviously. And it was just going to happen. But today of all days um, is one still shocking me as we sit here in real time um, kind of going through it. Because I didn't think they were going to do it. I just didn't think they were going to do a midseason move unless next week happened. I thought next week had to happen. If you lose to the Jets, it has to happen. But, you know, two weeks from before the bye, I thought maybe they'd wait closer to the bye or whatever. I just, today, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. It was always going to happen. Just didn't think today was going to be the day. But last night, Ken Dorsey will now be viewed as the guy who was to be blamed for last night because he gets fired this morning. Everybody should know that last night was not the reason he should have retained his job, nor was it the reason he lost his job. Ken Dorsey lost his job this morning based on a culmination of things, including the fact that this offense has never been the same with him as the offensive coordinator. Josh Allen has never been the same with him as the offensive coordinator. It had seemed very evident that this team was not going to be able to go any further offensively with him as the offensive coordinator. And it just seemed like there was no reason to retain him. They're not going to be getting any better. So it seems they haven't gotten any better. And this is about as bad as it can currently be with a quarterback like Josh Allen. You add all of that, you add all of that up and it all points to getting rid of him. But what the problem I have with, uh, you know, perception wise, the problem I might have with this a little bit is perception-wise, it's going to seem today like the entirety of this Bills of these Bills' woes is because of Ken Dorsey. You can't help but look at a firing and think that the entirety of the problems are based on the guy that they, they just fired. But we all know, or maybe not all of us, but you know, people who are level-headed, the people who are willing to delegate the um the blame amongst those deserving and not just one person, people sit here this morning and are able to know that the firing of Ken Dorsey is not the end-all, be-all solvent for this Buffalo Bills team. People today know that he was not the, the entirety of the problem, and getting rid of him immediately cures the, uh, the team. The question now that opens up, honestly, is honest, it's almost even a little more terrifying. Because now you get what you want. It's like everybody always says, you get what you want. Now you are, you know, be careful what you wish for. Or now that you get to quote Gwen Stefani, now that you got it, what you going to do about it? You got it. The Ken Dorsey haters, everybody wanted him gone last year. You got it. What are they going to do about it? What are they going to do with it? And I I can already see the excuses. I'm sure that if it doesn't wind up being great offensively, that the people are just going to say, well, you know, Joe Brady's just an interim offensive coordinator. What did you expect? It'll all, I don't know if we'll be able to fully dissect what this offense might be capable of until next year. That's where we're probably going to be at. Because I, I don't know, I don't know how, Joe Brady comes in and all of a sudden makes this offense back to the best in the league. And it's no slight at him. This is, this is, it's like an impossible task. It's a very, very tough task. And, you know, rightfully so, at least in my opinion, you don't expect him to come in and have these guys playing the greatest show on turf. I don't. 
So I think next year to me is where you really are able to find out just how much of the blame was on Ken Dorsey or just how much of the blame was on the execution of this offense. Or maybe just how much of the blame was on 17 and elsewhere. Time will tell. Let's go to some super chats here. Starting in order from newest to oldest, because I want to talk about the newer ones just based on the breaking news of Ken Dorsey. My man Forrest coming in. He's saying, how'd Miami's head coach change impact Miami and their quarterback? You know, it's a great point. And I think there's a lot of people who make points like that when it comes to offensive coaching. I look at a variety of different reasons or a variety of um, of different examples. Uh, before Kirk Cousins got hurt, might have been ha- having the best game of his career this season under Kevin O'Connell. Jimmy Garoppolo, people were arguing he was a lock top 10 quarterback in this league under Kyle Shanahan. Brock Purdy was the last pick in the draft. There are people today who will sit and look at you in the face and tell you he's a top 10 quarterback. Um, you know, there are several examples throughout this league. Joe Joe Burrow with, um, with, with Zach Taylor has been absolutely extraordinary since coming into this league. We all know the best example of all of them. Patrick Mahomes and uh, Andy Reid, the greatest offensive duo maybe to ever do it. We'll, we might look back and, and and that will very likely be the overall statement that the greatest offensive duo of all time might be Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Um, we have seen numerous examples of this. And we, as Bills fans, take a step back and look at our situation with a defensive coach, and that's why we all are clamoring, or not all of us, but the, the clamoring for a new coach, it, it stems from almost exclusively that. Outside of the other things, like last night, my examples I've given of the just the, the little things that pile up from the coaching perspective that have really been the, the stain on McDermott's tenure here, But besides that, it's just the overall fact that McDermott is not an offensive guy when you don't have, we've talked about this a million times on here. When you don't have an offensive coach, it's always going to be a revolving door at offensive coordinator. I mean, look at it. We are now moving on to our third offensive coordinator for Josh Allen, our third offensive coordinator, because a variety of things happen. We've seen now two of them. One the coordinator's so good, he's going to get a head coaching job, and he's always going to take it. We saw that with Brian Dable. Two, they regress. Somebody's got to be blamed, and it's more than likely going to be the coach of that unit. We just saw that this morning with Ken Dorsey. Or three, you get a guy who's willing to just take a lateral move and stay in their job for an extended period of time, which rarely happens. Josh McDaniels did it in New England, and that's about as far as it goes. I mean, Josh McDaniels had had coaching opportunities that he turned down, and he stayed in New England longer than most would have. Same can be said for Eric Bieniemy, who wound up taking a lateral job as well, going to the commanders, because he felt as though that would be a better opportunity to get a head coaching job. And as it stands today, many would tell you Ron Rivera will be out at the end of the year as the commander's coach, and Eric Bieniemy could very easily be the next in line, and that's why he made that move. So you have about three outcomes, but the overall outcome that will never happen is that you will have an offensive coordinator that will be in the building at all times, and it will always be the same guy. The only way that happens is if your head coach is the offensive coordinator. And a lot of the best quarterbacks in this league right now, that's what they have. That That is exactly what they have, and that's why so many Bills fans want it. 
And I'm getting to the point now where I'm becoming, um, uh, I'm becoming very aware that the head coaching job for these Buffalo Bills, the vacancy might be open sooner than I anticipated. And I can't lie that it, how much it intrigues me, how much the idea of an offensive coach for, for Josh Allen and these Buffalo Bills, I can't lie. It's it, very, very, very intriguing to me. It always has been. And the opportunity to do that seems more and more likely as the days go on here. And I've always understood the sentiment behind it. And, uh, you know, Forrest just came in with a super chat with another great example amongst the others I mentioned. Tua was getting benched almost weekly for guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick early on in his career. They go to Mike McDaniel, and many would argue that they have at times looked like the greatest offense in NFL history this year. So there's a lot to be said about it. Only time will tell. But stepping stone one was crossed off today. It was never going to be the stepping stone of Ken Dorsey being fired. I don't think was ever going to be overstepped towards firing McDermott, retaining Dorsey. That was never going to happen. Stepping stone one crossed off. Dorsey's gone in the pursuit of helping this offense. And then we all know stepping stone two, depending on what happens moving forward. But I'm starting to think, you know, the more we talk about this, the more I'm thinking about all this in real time the more I'm wondering if the rest of the season even really matters. I'm really starting to think the McDermott's job might be, might be gone. The more we're sitting on this, the more we're talking about this as it unfolds, we're watching in real time Dorsey being fired. We're watching what happens last night. We're watching what has happened this whole season. We're watching the, the slow decline that these bills have had since reaching the AFC championship a couple of years ago. All of this in mind as we just run through it, the more I'm really starting to think that McDermott's job really it, it might be all but gone unless he can run the table, which is just borderline impossible, or unless he can make the playoffs and go, a, go on a run within these playoffs, which also seems borderline impossible in this moment. I don't know if he's here next year. That's just kind of how I read the room based on this Dorsey firing, because I don't think the Dorsey firing just solves things at a snap. And then there's going to be another clamoring for more moves. And inevitably, the next move is Sean McDermott. Oh, GP from the top rope saying Ken brought his bag last night to pack up his shit. If you saw the video of Ken Dorsey walking in last night, man, he looked disheveled. It's almost like he knew what was coming. That's kind of the scary thing, too, that you, you go back and look at that clip. It's over on my Twitter if you want to see it. You go back and look at that clip of Ken Dorsey walking into the building last night. He looked like any college student making their way to class on a Monday morning. He's got a Bill sweatshirt on, a North Face fleece, and a backpack. And it looks like his, he just hopped out of the shower five seconds ago. His hair was all over the place. Um, almost like he knew he was coaching for his job last night. And I don't know if it was ever told to him that black and white. But if we could tell that a firing seemed to be on the horizon, depending on what it came of it, you'd have to imagine he probably knew it himself. And uh, that's exactly what happened. And the more you look at that shot of him walking in the la last night, the more you, you might know, you might decipher from that, that he kind of could see around the corner a little bit. Um, 
Awesome LA coming in. Did you miss my super chat, my guy? If it's up towards the top, brother, we will get to it. I absolutely promise. And I'm so- sorry for the delay. A lot going on this morning in this one. Plus, coupled with the fact that, you know, I am just in my own world to kick the shows off. But we always get to the super chat. So weird. Making our way through all of them right now, including my man Alton V coming in here saying, bot out here speaking facts. Appreciate you as always, Alton. There's, you know, a lot going on right now that has put a line in the sand, in my opinion, between this fan base. And I don't ever intend to do that. I really try not to. There's aspects of the fan base that I just will not, I will not delve into because I just entirely don't agree with it. I try to be able to unite different thought processes and combine them all into one rational style of thinking because I never think that there's one black and white answer to anything. And I just feels like the one problem I have at times with any fan base is the people who constantly think that there's one tried and true black and white answer to all these problems. And one of the most recent examples of that, of course, was that Ken Dorsey was the black and white tried and true 100% problem. And we're going to find out very soon here that that's not true. It's just because Ken Dorsey got fired doesn't mean the bills are about to go 12 and five. So I just am very interested to see the reaction of those who think that Ken Dorsey was the entirety of the cancer that was, that was infecting this Buffalo bills team this year. I'm wondering what the reaction is going to be from that crowd when there's going to be an, another inevitable offensive, um, lull in a game. I mean, guys, we, we, we have not had a decent offensive performance since Miami arguable. You could say it was a decent performance against the Tampa Bay Bucks, but only for the first half, they didn't do anything in the second half. So collectively there has not been a full decent offensive game from these Buffalo bills since week four. So if you think that going into now week 11, that the bills offense with Ken Dorsey fired, is just going to magically going to have this consistently great offense. That's not going to happen. But what I think is the nice outcome of this is that there's a clear uh, understanding that this front office is willing to make moves and they understand that they're not going to settle for anything that they think is less than adequate. They're not going to settle for what they think is holding this team back. That's nice to see. And it's also nice to see that there's going to be some sort of difference in the future what that is we have no idea as of now of course joe brady the oc but we do not know what this offense will be next year under a new oc we don't know who that new oc will be we don't even know if the head coaching job is going to be the same so there's something to be said about that it brings optimism and it brings excitement and right now when there's not a whole lot to be optimistic or excited about i think that might be the best aspect of this entire situation uh, Forrest coming in again. McDermott gone after this year now, too. Great day. It's really starting to feel like that. That's what I had just mentioned, and it's starting to feel like that. Um, more and more. It has felt like that for the last couple of months, but not to the degree that it feels like it today. And I think when you couple together the way that they lost last night with the firing of Ken Dorsey, all within about a 12 hour span, hard not to think in this particular moment that, that Sean McDermott is right on the brink. And like I said, I think it would take a very drastic end of the season here in order to be able to retain the job in good faith. 
Because if he retains the job, there's going to be a very large portion of this fan base that's going to be absolutely pissed about that. Um, you know, people will bring up the extension, like I have always said about that extension. It was a it was an optics play. It was a PR move entirely. That extension means absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things. Does not mean he will be here next year or he will not be next year. Um, but you know. The overall fact today is that that you know, throughout his time in Buffalo, he's never been closer to losing his job. That's the truth. This morning, Sean McDermott's never been closer to losing his job, and I don't think he's ever, on a scale of a hundred, from one hundred being one hundred percent keeping your job and zero being one hundred percent losing your job. Sean McDermott has always, in my opinion, been over that 50% marker. And I think this morning we find him for the first time. He's he's on the other side of that 50% marker now. He's on the left side of that veering towards the zero. I think that's where we're at. Um, let's go to David824. I'll never stop supporting my Bills squad, but something has to change immediately within the organization. Dave, you're ahead of your time, brother. Dave put that super chat in at 1112. Ken Dorsey fired at around 1130. Uh, Dave, we were talking about it all morning, and it was almost like we talked it into existence. Crazy how this all unfolded this morning in real time on the show here. We were talking about the fact that a move had to be made. As we were in the middle of discussing potential moves that could be made, a major move was indeed made. GP coming in, cancel the stadium and have them play in the hole they dug. <laughs> oh my God. Reminds me of that scene in Holes, one of my favorite Disney movies, remember? I'm tired of this, Grandpa. That's too damn bad. Reminds me of that. It's like the Bill say, I don't want to play in this, Terry. That's too damn bad. There had to be some sort of punishment delegated today. I don't know if playing in a it would be a worthy punishment, but there was inevitably a punishment nonetheless this morning. Ken Dorsey took the, blunt, the brunt of the punishment. Very interested to see if Ken Dorsey gets another gig somewhere. It certainly won't be an offensive coordinator job, but I wonder if Ken Dorsey ends up getting another quarterback uh, coaching job somewhere else. Um, be interested to see that. Scott coming in here. Something's going on. Either Dorsey is calling uh, the plays or Sean or Sean McDermott's interfering with Ken Dorsey and plays and Josh Allen's not liking it to something's got to give because of us only scoring 20 points. Um, I think the long and short of that was there's someone to blame here. We don't entirely know who I think that's where I still stand right now, despite the firing of, of Ken Dorsey, but now we will have one more answer to that equation. Won't we Scott? We will have one more um, puzzle piece removed. You know, there was always there was always these elements that you could use for the blame. And then there there used to be Leslie Frazier. That element was gone. That puzzle piece was off the table. And then there was Ken Dorsey, right? And that puzzle piece is off the table. And now it is exclusively Sean McDermott. He is the only remaining puzzle piece of the uh, you know, of the beginning of Josh Allen's um career. Sean McDermott is now the only remaining puzzle piece within that coaching staff or the prominent coaching staff, at least um, he's the only remaining piece. And there's something to be said 
when all of the other pieces are under the couch and there's only one left on the table. You know, when you lose a bunch of puzzle pieces from your puzzle, more than likely you're just going to wind up throwing the whole puzzle out because what's the point of putting it together without missing pe- with all the missing pieces? Might as well just start a new puzzle. And it's starting to feel like the Bills are creeping closer and closer to starting a new puzzle within this coaching staff. My main brother, Bartek, coming in. Ziba, I love you, brother. Stood in the shower for 30 minutes, just dead inside. I just hate that I've never been more focused on football. Didn't mean shit. Yeah, that aged like sour cream in the sun, man. You know, Baker Mayfield, and this is true, you know, and how much this, I'm, I'm never, I'm never, uh, it's amazing how we look at things based on what the outcome is. Baker Mayfield had a shit ton of commercials when he came into the league. And then everybody cooked Baker Mayfield for having all these commercials because he sucked. Josh Allen has more commercials now than just about any player in the league. He's on everything. And everybody's giving him a hard time for being more focused on football when he was on all these commercials. But there's nobody on the planet who has more commercials currently than Patrick Mahomes. And there's nobody on the planet who's better player than him so no one gives Patrick Mahomes any shit for having all these all these commercials because he's a two-time MVP two-time Super Bowl champion all of a sudden Josh Allen isn't focused on the game because of the commercials I don't know if that's the greatest excuse however there's no way in hell Josh has ever been more focused on football than he was this season I think that doing all, I think there's a variety of things that go within it. I think part of it might have been he was doing a lot of limelight stuff, type stuff he wasn't doing in the past, including dating an A-list celebrity, including doing all of these these massive golf events that you seem to see him at every week, including maybe doing a ton of these commercials. I don't think the commercials are the reason that Josh wasn't focused on football, but it could be an element that was derailing the focus a a little bit in conjunction with other things. Um, You know, what exactly is the reasoning? I I, I don't entirely know, but it it is very evident that Josh, this was not the most focused he's ever been. It just doesn't seem like that at all. Um, But uh, I don't know what else he was supposed to say at the same time after last year's season. I just hope that there's something to be learned from what's happening here. I just hope that there's something positive taken away from this because at this point, it's all you can hope for. The only thing you can hope for in these type of situations is that something positive is the outcome. And hopefully what Josh Allen takes from this is that I got to be better and I got to be able to, you know, lead this team in a different direction. I might need to be more vocal. I need to maybe be a better decision maker, et cetera. And I hope there's a variety of lessons learned throughout this entire team. But, you know, of course, nobody more so than Josh Allen, because that, of course, is where this team goes through. We're only going to go as far as where this guy will take him. And we all know where he can take him, but he's got to be able to get behind the the wheel and drive him there. And lately, the you know, lately it feels like the wheels have been stuck in mud. <laughs> But we all know that Josh at any given time can throw it in a different gear and get out of that mud and start cooking down the highway 100 miles an hour. We just haven't seen it in a while here. And um, look, at all the quarterbacks go through through struggles. And that's why I have such a hard time 
I have such a hard time with the people not willing to give criticism to Josh Allen because people are so defensive of him. And I think this is the reason why when you go a quarter century without a competent quarterback and you finally get one, it's almost like you are just conditioned without even knowing it to defend him at all costs because you're afraid of him of losing the guy. But what what comes with that is when you are when you are constantly defending him no matter what happens. One, you look delusional. And two, you, you there's no way you're ever going to be able to be um you know there's no way you're ever going to be able to be a satisfied fan because you're going to be constantly looking for things that aren't there when it's right in front of you at times. But people always think that if you criticize Josh Allen, that means you don't want him as your quarterback. That means you hate him. That means you think he sucks. And then it, they just rip you to shreds. It, it is the most tried and true clockwork type thing within this fan base. It is the same thing. It is cyclical. The cycle goes like this. Say something, you know, not, overwhelmingly glowing about Josh Allen, get destroyed by somebody, get destroyed by somebody, get destroyed by somebody. Cycle, 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 cycle. But what is failed within that cycle, what is lacking is the people's ability to be able to understand that a criticism of somebody does not mean it's an indictment on them overall. How you can watch Josh Allen over the last two months and think he is playing top-tier football is insanity to me. It is mind-numbing to me. And in a microcosm, in a vacuum, how you can watch last night and think that he wasn't one of the brunts of the problem is absolutely incredible to me. But it's because people think that if you say that, that you are just, a, you know, you, you are, uh, you know, I don't know. I've never seen people get so defensive and be so shitty towards other people than I have when, when Josh Allen's part of the conversation. It's nuts to me. Nobody else gets that type of treatment. And I said last night, and it's, I think this is the best way to put it, if you watched any other quarterback that is a that is an arch rival of the Buffalo Bills have similar performances, you would be on their ass. We do it with Tua all the time. We do it with Tua all the time. If Patrick Mahomes has a bad game, there's no way you don't go online and see people letting him hear it. If um, Joe Burrow has a bad game, there's no way you don't see anybody online, you know, letting him have it. And what's starting to happen here, and I don't know if you guys have noticed, but outside the Bills fan base, and this is what is, is starting to be concerning to me, and it's, you know, it's it sucks. That's this is where we're at. But Josh Allen's starting to become like this. He's becoming a meme now amongst other fan bases and other outlets online that aren't within the Bills mafia here. I mean, I don't know how many times last night I saw multiple outlets tweet out, uh, you know, numerous jokes about Josh Allen's turnover problem. This, that, I don't know how many major NFL reporters I saw tweet out talking about ha needing to have a conversation about where Josh Allen currently is in the pantheon of NFL quarterbacks. These guys aren't just pulling this shit out of their ass. There's a large portion of a large portion of our fan base that just thinks that these guys are haters and that they're morons. How could all of these guys all be that? All of these people. There's there's times when you gotta be honest with yourself. Last night was one of them. But you can't go back and look at any quarterback's history without finding the, the the dark spots. In reality, right now, we're looking at a sample size of about six or so games. When we reflect on the overall career of Josh Allen, if he is able to get, if he is able to continue to play towards the, uh, the realm in which we expect him to play, and if he's able to show up in ways that we know he's capable of, Here's the reality. When we get down the line of his career, this six-game stint will be forgotten. Nobody will remember it. You know how many 
terrible games that Peyton Manning had or Brett Favre had or Drew Brees had or Ben Roethlisberger had or, you know, fill in the blank, really, any of these guys. You don't remember any of them because they overwrote those issues with their successes. And Josh Allen has an ample amount of time to do that. The reason it feels like it's all doom and gloom and that he's terrible. Why are you talking about why are you talking about him being the problem? You hater. You're such a hater. You should just go. You should just go jump off a bridge. You meanie talking bad about Josh Allen. It, look at it, like the reality is this month and a half, two months here, he has not been a particularly great quarterback. It doesn't mean he's not a great quarterback. It's nuts to me that you have to continue to spell this out to people, that you have to continue to hold their hand and give them bite-sized bits of your argument to let them know it's okay, it's fine. I'm allowed to say this without thinking that Josh Allen is, you know, the next Tim Couch or whatever. Like, it's incredible to me. But the best way to look at it is right now, the the always the current moment always feels like the entirety of a situation. But the reality is it's been a six or seven game sample size. And when we look back at the at the overall, um, you know, we look back at the overall career of Josh Allen, this sample size that we currently think is everything could end up being an absolute blip on the screen. It's entirely up to him. Like I said, He's in the driver's seat. This team goes where he is going to steer it. He's got the keys. They're in the ignition. Where does he want to go? Right now, they've been going down the wrong path. But at any given time, knowing JA-17, sky's the limit. They could be going anywhere under his, you know, under his jurisdiction. It's your boy coming in with a super chat. At the end of this era, they will say the 13-second game against KC was this team's peak because I oddly feel like it will be if nothing good comes. Well, right now, this has been this team's peak. The 13 seconds was 100% without a shadow of a doubt, inarguably, this team's peak up until this moment. They have not come close to it since, and we have not seen a variety of elements from that since. We have not seen that Gabe Davis since. We have not seen that Josh Allen since. We have not seen that offense really since. There are so many elements of that 13-second game that looked, I mean, like, I, like I've said before, I've never seen a team get so much praise in a loss. The Bills played so well in that game despite losing that they had everybody in their mother going into the following season thinking that they were at the very least going to be back in the AFC Championship or more than likely a Super Bowl. And, of course, that did not wind up being the case. Um, but they played unbelievably well in that game, and that was coming off of the perfect game against the New England Patriots. It was the two best games of Josh Allen's career. It was the two best games that this offense has had maybe ever. It was extraordinary. And, yeah, and there's no way you can argue against it. It's been the team's peak up until now. The canvas is still yet to be fully painted. But as it stands right now, that has been the peak. And it has not been remotely close, really, to it since. And a team that has done their best to try to continue to ascend, they have not done so. And we keep trying to fight to get back to that moment. Uh, but, you know, if it all came to an end today, yeah, we would look back and that would be the, um, I mean, that's my generation's wide right. The 13 seconds is my generation's wide right. God only knows what happens the rest of the way with, that, with those bills, the way they were playing, if they just get out of that 13-second situation alive. I think we sit here today, and I got a shit ton of Super Bowl champion memorabilia behind me. That's how I feel. Um, but what the hell does it matter? Because it didn't happen. All I know is that's the closest we've ever been in my life, 
And as it stands today, it's the closest we will be until I see a drastic change. I mean, it's it's always going to be the most sickening aspect I've ever had as a fan at that moment. Awesome LA coming in. He's saying, I said this on Dan Mitchell's stream, but God damn, I thought the Jets loss was horrible. You guys said, hold my beer. No kidding. But the thing of it is, is the Jets, the Jets loss is, is essentially the equivalent of all these other losses. They've all been almost identically the same. The only thing that was just discussed, the most disgusting about that was that it came at the, at the helm of a Zach Wilson-led team that was thrown to the Wolves four snaps in after Rodgers gets hurt. That entire arena and team is just dead emotionally and somehow win. They win in overtime with a punt return. There were just so many things. I mean, that's that's the that's the overall, you know, that's the overall sickening factor of a lot of this season. And a lot of these losses have just been that sickening. Last night, the 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 Patriots game. The crazy thing is they're five and five. They haven't come close to being, or at least they've come, they've come close. It's felt like, but the final score results have not been close to a blowout. It's amazing how you could be five and five, and I would argue at least three of them could have easily have flipped. But at the same time, two of the five wins easily could have flipped as well, in my opinion. As it stands right now, by the way, Vegas odds. Bills to make the playoffs plus 200, meaning you bet 100 bucks. You win 200 bucks. Bills to not make the playoffs minus 250, meaning you bet 250 bucks to make 100 bucks. So they are pretty heavy favorites at this moment in time to not make the playoffs. Looking at some reaction, by the way, to the Ken Dorsey firing. And yeah, what do you know? It's very, it's a very mixed bag. So to those who thought it was entirely on him, you know, go take a scroll because it's just not the case. I do commend the move, though. I do commend the ability to, to, to swallow your pride and say, hey, this ain't working. And uh, it's not worth continuing to try to make work, and we're moving on. You know, however much of the blame of it was his or not, it, it, it just didn't matter. He wasn't the solution. At the end of the day, when you have a team like the Bills do, either you're contributing to the team's success or you're hindering them. There's no in-between. That, to me, is kind of why I think McDermott's job has never been closer to being gone, because right now, is he contributing this to the success? You could you could certainly argue yes defensively. Of course, I think he is. But in other aspects, is he contributing to their um, their pitfall? And I think in certain elements, you could absolutely argue yes. And so, if you kind of balance them out, is it more towards just a flat line? Maybe you could argue that. Maybe you could argue that what we've seen from McDermott is about what we're going to see forever. And that, to me, is just as bad as just completely nosediving. If you're stuck in mediocrity, you might as well be in the basement, in my opinion. Um, and I think that's why you see Dorsey gone today, and that's why Ken or McDermott's seat is, is blazing compared to where it was just about a year or so ago. Like a boss coming in right now and saying, would you fire McDermott? 
in this given moment right now, as it stands today, going into week 11, I would not. With this makeshift defense, no defensive coordinator, having just fired your offensive coordinator, a lot of moving parts going on right now, I'm not making that move midseason. But if this team finishes 7 and 10, 8 and 9, I think I'm I think I'm firing him. I think I am firing Sean McDermott. I need to see what this team can be under somebody else at this point. We've given McDermott a very large sample size and it has been great at times, but as of the last couple of years, it has not gotten close to where it was and it's slowly gone downhill. We we've I've given you the stock market analogy a thousand times. We were all the way up at the AFC championship, then got crushed in that game, then made it to the divisional round, lost very, very, very closely, but still only the divisional round lost. Following year, barely win in the wild card round by the skin of your teeth against a backup quarterback, get destroyed in the divisional round. It has been an incremental decline every single year since that AFC championship appearance. And what do you know? We're on pace for the biggest decline of them all. So you go from AFC championship, getting the doors blown off of you, divisional round loss, very close, could have won either way, still lost. Divisional round loss where you got your ass beat, and now they're on pace to go all the way down to the floor and not make the playoffs. We now have... That is that is three consecutive seasons of incremental downfalls. That is warranted for a coaching change, in my opinion, at this point. You can't go much lower than where they're at right now. And I just if I'm if I'm management, if I'm ownership, I need to see what this team can be with somebody else at this point. Because I've seen what they can be so far and what they've been is at times great, but unfortunately, ever since that they got to that peak or their personal peak, they have done nothing but go down. And that oftentimes is on the, the shoulders of the head coach. Um, where else? Are, where are we at here? One more. Alton V. Been a minute since I've been this depressed about our bills. I hear you, man. I can't believe how bad this team is. All five losses are against AFC conference opponents. I agree with you. This is about as a, this is about as depressed I've been as a fan. I mean, I was down horrendous after that Bengals game last year because, you know, all the expectations for last year for that game to end the way it did or to go the way it did and for the season to end the way that it did. I was down real bad. But, you know, Still a divisional appearance with a crack, you know. Th- this is this is infinitely worse. Um, essentially having your season over before, I mean, not even a week before Thanksgiving is insane. That can only be said for dog shit teams for the most part. I mean, the, the Bills, like I said earlier in the show, the Bills have the same record today as a. Aiden O'Connell-led Raiders team who fired their coach a couple of weeks ago, a Gardner Minshew-led Indianapolis Colts team. I mean, this Buffalo Bills team is the 10th overall team in the AFC. Not good. 
it, it doesn't get worse, really. And then you look at the teams that are similar in record or a game above, maybe a game below. Like right now, the Houston Texans 5-4, and four, they are playing exceptionally better football than the Buffalo Bills. Their offense is absolutely lights out. Lights out. Pittsburgh Steelers, I don't think they're a better team than the Bills, but they somehow have a better record. I mean, I don't think they're a better team at all. But this league's all about one thing, getting out of there alive. The Chiefs have played some pretty bad football this year. They're 7-2. and two. Nobody cares that they, have, they haven't been playing their best football, nor should they, because they're the Chiefs. They have constantly found a way to figure it out. But this year, more than ever, I've found them to be more inadequate than I've seen. And it doesn't matter. 7-2. and two. Cleveland Browns, 6-3, and three, one of the best starts they've had in franchise history the last 20 years or so. Cincinnati Bengals, 5-4. and four. We already know that they're a better team than the Bills. So it's not only the teams that are already ahead of them in the playoff picture, but it's also the teams that are surrounding them as well. I mean, the only teams right now that I could confidently say the Bills are better than in the AFC, actually, I don't even know if I can say any of them, really. I mean... I, I, w- I would say the Raiders, absolutely, based on what they did earlier to them in the season and whatever. But I'm, I'm, let's talk about the, this moment right now. This Bills team. In this given moment, not the Bills team of week two, three, four. Let's talk about the Bills team going into week 11. Who are they better than the, in the AFC? The, only, the, the team with the worst record in the AFC is the New England Patriots at two and eight. One of their two wins is against the Buffalo Bills. The third worst team record-wise in the NFL, or in the AFC, is the Denver Broncos. They beat the Buffalo Bills last night. Last in the AFC North is the Cincinnati Bengals, and I know that's just because that division's insane, but still, nonetheless, last place in that division, Cincinnati Bengals. Beat the Bills the other night, never really felt close. So... The Bills, as it stands, are getting beat up by the lower end of the conference. This team is just about as bad as anybody in the AFC right now. There is not a competent argument that anybody is leaps and bounds worse than the Buffalo Bills in the AFC. Joshua Winder coming in. We missed the playoffs and Pats fire Bill Belichick. Would you replace McDermott with Bill Belichick? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't believe you're asking this. We've all seen what Bill can do with a good QB. I hope that's sarcasm. Not a chance in hell. No way in hell. No way in hell. There's there's no way you got to be. There's no way. No. This team can one for one. They cannot go defensive head coach again. You're going to make the, you're going to you're going to double down on that. You're going to move on from your head coach, have finally have the opportunity to give Josh Allen an offensive coach, and you're going to go with a 75-year-old defensive head coach who's as disgruntled as Bill Belichick is? He'd be my absolute last choice. There's no way. Um, I could only imagine. That would be like curb your enthusiasm type comedic writing. If Bill Belichick became the head coach of the Buffalo Bills. I can't even imagine the world. Seriously. Um, but to answer your question, Josh. No. 
Darius Davis, he's coming in. Josh Allen is our Dak Prescott. Good player that can't be trusted. He'll have games when he looks the part and games that he will have you shaking your head. I said this last week in an overall standpoint. I had said the Buffalo Bills are becoming the AFC version of the Dallas Cowboys where there's high expectations that are not lived up to, but they continue to get them based on their the, the aura the team has. The Cowboys have the aura because they're America's team. You know, Jerry Jones, the stadium, all of their players being within the, uh, you know, the, the limelight, always having players being color commentators or in commercials, whatever. It's been like that forever. With the Bills, Josh Allen has become that element, and therefore it's gotten these Bills into a lot of primetime games. Josh Allen's on a lot of commercials, cover of Madden, whatever. So they're similar to some degree in that aspect and also similar to the fact that they just cannot seem to win enough to live up to their expectations. I mean, we see Dallas beat the living shit out of the Giants on Sunday, but they get killed by the Niners. They lose to the Philadelphia Eagles. And you never have any faith in the Dallas Cowboys going the distance. I mean, even with Dallas's record right now, what are they, six and three? I have no faith in them in them winning more than maybe one playoff game this year. They might win a wild card game. I don't see anything beyond that. With the Lions, the Eagles, the Niners, I just have no faith in the Dallas Cowboys, and I never have, and they've never given me a reason to my entire life. They've been the same type of team my entire life. Always decent to good, never good enough to make any sort of prominent run in the in the in the playoffs. Always been the same type of team. And uh, the Bills, to me, are becoming a team where they have these expectations and they just flatline on them every single time. And uh, it's a shitty, shitty place to be because you constantly have your hopes at an all-time peak and you're never anything but disappointed. And that's the that's the shitty thing about having a you know be, being a fan of a great team or what was a great team at least. Um, is that you constantly feel like the you're gonna you're gonna get to the the treasure at the end of the rainbow, but you remember at the end of the year that only one team ever gets there, only one team can get there, and it's very hard to get there. And so despite having all the talent, despite having all of the optimism and the regular season success and whatever else, you still go home disappointed. That's the thing that sucks, just sucks. And, and, and frankly, it's just, it's, it, that's why just being a fan of anything, it is 90% heartbreak for just about everybody. It's just nothing but heartbreak. But all you can ever really ask for is a chance. And that's what sucks the most about where we're at right now is the Bills are looking like they're not even going to have a chance. And when you waste the talent of a year that Josh Allen's currently, you know, in the middle of his prime with, that that's the other sickening element of it as well, where it's just it's an absolute nightmare to know that these 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 years aren't you know, they're 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 pretty sacred. Each and every one of these years in Josh Allen's prime is sacred. They aren't going to always be like this. And to, and to piss away one like they are this year, that's what just has you over a barrel with it. Clint Eastwood coming in. Myself and the Bills pooped our pants last night. Yeah, I pooped my pants, vomited. You should have seen it, man. I, I 
when they missed the field goal, I like took my shirt off and ran around the like involuntary. Just what happened? I just started going nuts. And as soon as I like came back around the corner and looked at the screen and saw the flag, Bill Vinovich with the, with the too many men, I just involuntarily hit the floor, just laid there, motionless. It's amazing how many times this team within a span of like 10 seconds or like a minute or less can have you at an absolute peak emotion wise and then right into the gutter immediately afterwards. It's, it's sickening like that. That is so unhealthy. I feel like to have that spike of emotion, that drastic change within that small period that cannot be healthy. And I feel like that's happened to me about a thousand times. Chandler, bing, bingity bing. Thank you for the therapy bot. Is this franchise more loyal to McDermott or Allen? Pre-JA McDermott teams had bad offenses, but one, nothing would be off the table. That's actually, a, you know, it's a, it's an interesting question because that offense with, the, with Tyrod Taylor the year they ended the drought, yeah, no, it was definitely no... Elite offense, that's for sure. Um, but I would have to say that this team is more loyal to Josh Allen. They'd absolutely have to be. They'd be nuts not to be. And I think they showed you today the reason that that's true. They fire Ken Dorsey today. That shows you that there's more belief in Josh Allen's ability to succeed, and perhaps Ken Dorsey's holding that back. Therefore, we have to move on from that. I think that there's a rightful loyalty to Sean McDermott, right? He comes in, he really flips this franchise around. Not only does he end the drought, but he gets this team to major national prominency, right? An AFC championship appearance, back-to-back-to-back AFC championship um, victories, or excuse me, AFC East championships. There's a reason why there should be some sort of loyalty, but there's also a reason why that loyalty has dwindled. It's back to what I had just mentioned where you're now going on three, four consecutive years of incremental downfalls to the point where now that stock is about to just crash and burn on the floor. So rightful loyalty up to this point, but the royal the loyalty is running thin, certainly. Let's hear him coming in. To be honest, I'm not sure how I feel about Joe Brady. He's the quarterback coach and have been witnessing Josh Allen regress. I don't know how to feel anymore. I don't make anything of it, truly. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know that 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 you know Joe Brady has the ability to do this or doesn't have the ability to do that. I have no idea. Does anybody? He's being thrown into a situation where, you know, it's almost impossible to succeed in. Hey, Joe, this offense has been about as bad as it's ever been with Josh Allen. We're going into week 11 and hey, by the way, the bulk of our schedule and which is the toughest uh, out of uh, maybe anybody's schedule in the league, that's what's right around the corner. So here's the keys, pal. Good luck. You know, that that's what he's being tossed to. So to expect some sort of incredible coaching job from Joe Brady or some incredible drastic change offensively to me is kind of foolish. And that's why I can't wait to see the reaction to this, where it's going to be that fire Joe Brady. Who the hell's idea was it to put Joe Brady as the interim offensive coordinator? They should have made it so-and-so. It should have been this guy. They should have went out and got that guy. That kind of feels like we'll see some of that. I don't know how this can just turn on a dime unless truly, truly Ken Dorsey was that God awful of a coach. 
Unless we come to find out that Ken Dorsey was maybe the worst offensive coordinator of all time, and it was absolute malpractice that he had that job, I don't see how there is a flip of drastic proportions. But seven games to find out, with one of them coming up against the best defense in the league and the following game being against perhaps the best entire team in the league. Is it Dorsey's fault for the four turnovers? Certainly not. Von Miller contract from Mutt Bones. Big cap hit next year. Man, that contract looks worse and worse and worse by the day. 23 or so snaps last week, 21 snaps this past weekend. It's just, it's, it's looking like one of the worst signings you could have possibly have imagined as of late. Like I said last week, the injury, nothing you can do about that. But when you do keep that in mind with the amount of money and years they gave him and then the return here and they're not even putting him out on the field. And when he do, when they, when they do, he's absolutely non-existent. I mean, I can't remember the last time other than him missing that tackle on Joe Mixon last week. I can't remember the last time that the broadcast has really even brought his name up. They mentioned him briefly last night because of his relationship and lineage, of course, to the Denver Broncos when he won Super Bowl 50 with them and Super Bowl 50 MVP. Of course, they brought that up. But other than that, when we're talking about his play on the field, I can't remember the last time I've heard Von Miller's name brought up. It looks horrendous and more and more horrendous as the days go on. Pineapple Fog with another. Shit rolls downhill and it starts with McDermott. Was his finger was his finger in the offensive pie? Who knows? But it's also on Dorsey to coach into the wind, not against it. That's where we keep getting at with McDermott, where it's like, you know, it's not like there's an entire um the entirety of the blame doesn't fall on him, but there's aspects of it that certainly do, and they're crucial aspects, like last night's last last play of the game. So, you know, when it rolls downhill, your head coach needs to be able to find a way to either keep it from going entirely down the hill or to find a way to get it back up the hill. He has done that with the defense, absolutely. That defense, for all intents and purposes, should have been all the way down the hill at this point. He's keeping it more towards the top. It's been extraordinary. But there are other elements where McDermott gets rolled over on the on the you know the gigantic boulder rolling down that hill. And last night's uh, game costing blunder with one of the more elementary type coaching moves you could possibly make, having the adequate amount of guys out on the field, cost them that football game. Josh Winder coming in again. Cook fumbled, and we kept him out two series. Yes, we haven't talked about that. Allen throws three picks and gets a little kickback from coaches and fans and ends uh, Dorsey's career. Just saying. And that that's ultimately another reason why I have such a problem with the inability to ever give Josh Allen any criticism because everybody else always gets it. You know, Gabe Davis drops a ball and he's the worst guy that's ever played football and he should be cut the, last night or whatever. Do I think Gabe Davis is a great wide receiver? No. Do I think he'll be on this team next year? No. Do I think he's a wide receiver too in this league? No. But, you know, Everybody else always gets thrown to the wolves when they make a mistake, except for number 17. And last night, when you can't even when you can't even execute a standard handoff, how you don't how you are unable to get any criticism from from certain people is just asinine to me. When you throw the exact same interception as you did a week ago in the exact same spot in the exact same fashion, 
I mean, he's got three or four picks this year that are just or more than that. Really, he's got a, he's got probably five or six picks this year that are just telegraphed. Could not be easier. But everybody always wants to go and say, "Well, what about this one?" And they'll zoom in on the hands of Gabe Davis dropping the ball and it being tipped and being intercepted. Okay, great. What about this one where he throws it right to the guy against the Patriots? What about this one where he throws it right to the guy last night? What about this one where he throws it right to the guy against Cincinnati? What about the three of them in the, in the Jets game where he throws it right to him? Just not going to consider any of those, only going to focus on the one that Gabe Davis dropped? Ridiculous. James Cook being benched as long as he did last night. I don't understand why McDermott has it out for certain guys and, has, and, and doesn't have it out for other guys. I don't know. That was only the second fumble in, in James Cook's young career here. And he had hadn't fumbled, and I, I think I saw he hadn't fumbled in nearly 250 rushing attempts before that fumble. I understand there needs to be some sort of reprimanding. It is the first play of the game. You just accepted the kick for the first time, I think, ever. Can you remember the last time the Bills won a toss and accepted the kick? For them to fumble on the first play, it doesn't get worse. I mean, that is just classic, isn't it? Is it not? You're looking at that. You're sitting back, and if you're like me, you're like, wow. They must be really looking to get this offense in gear tonight, really make a statement after that um, players-only offensive meeting. They must really be looking to make a statement tonight because they just won that toss and they accepted it in the first play of the game. Fumble. And it's incredible. Um, 20% of their games this year, two out of the 10 games, there has been a turnover on the first play of the offensive series or the first, the, the first play of the first offensive series Patriots game and last night's game. So he absolutely should have been put on the pine for that, for the next drive. I think you got to be punished for that, but McDermott held him out for almost 20 plays too much, too much. He had a huge impact on that game last night. I was so happy for him bouncing back the way he did. He didn't deserve to be riding the pine for as long as he did. He definitely deserved to be criticized. But the point you're making here is one that makes, you know, it, it's so tough because you can't just take your quarterback and bench him for 20 plays. You can't do that for a variety of reasons. One, bad. Bad. Oh God! By the way, I'm just looking on Twitter here. It's like oh, the the I knew this would happen. The people that that just thought the entirety of the blame was on Ken Dorsey are just having a field day right now. Like last night, I just said, you know, leave Ken Dorsey out of it. I said, no way, tonight's on him. You got guys coming in here, and yet he gets fired today. You clearly know what you're talking about with a winky face. Hey, you got me, bud. Got me. You genius. Knew that was coming. Everybody got exactly the all the ammunition they were looking for today. Everybody who sits back with their lame, stupid, just completely irrational take that the entirety of this offense was all blamed, all to be blamed on Ken Dorsey or having an absolute field day today. Pig and shit type morning for those people. Like I said, there's nothing that makes me more mad when it comes to this shit than people who just have a definitive take and no ability to look at any other aspect. 
No ability. I don't even know what the hell we were just talking about. I gotta just, I gotta get off the internet. <laughs> what the hell are we just talking about? Someone, someone remind me. <laughs> this team's giving me early onset mental, early onset uh, brain dysfunction. Does anybody remember? <laughs> All right, I guess we're moving on. A couple more super chats. Um, uh, Forrest, my brother, with another one. Hope is restored. This is the beginning of what I believe to be a serious change. Mediocrity is the enemy of greatness. Get an offensive-minded head coach, and let's up and go. Yeah, I don't know if hope is entirely restored, but there's more hope this morning than there was last night after the game. I think that's for sure. This definitely is the beginning of a serious change. This in itself is a serious change. This is now going to be the third iteration of offensive coordinating for Josh Allen. That in itself is a major change. Anytime you make a change at that crucial position or any of these three, right? If you Anytime you make a change at head coach, Defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator, it's a major move. Um, and that's in the midst of what the Bills are in right now. And the Bills haven't had a midseason firing since when? I mean, God. Been a long time. Been a long time. So, yeah, this is, uh, this is some serious movement here. 100%. But like you said, mediocrity is the enemy of greatness. And in my opinion, mediocrity is worse than being just full-blown bad. It's the worst place you could be in this league is mediocre. And the Bills right now are mediocre to below mediocre. And um, it's nice to see that there, there, there's a sense of urgency. I got to say that. Mutt Bones coming in with a request. I'm tired of this, Grandpa! I can't believe somebody's idea of punishment for these Bills were, was to go and play in the pit of the new stadium being built. You can't make it up. That's great. <laughs> Caroline wants to know if we're going to the casino in 30 minutes. We are. I got to hop off of this soon. So DMB tonight live at the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut. Very excited. Get my mind off of this bullshit for a couple of hours. Will be nice. But I was not expecting to make the drive to the casino with the news of Ken Dorsey no longer being the offensive coordinator of this team. Going to have a lot of stuff to dive into and listen to. I want to hear what other people are having to say about this as well because this is a very polarizing... Um, this is a very polarizing topic. There's so many people on one side or the other of this. And I just don't really know if there's any there's any real reason to be staunch on one side or the other. Can everybody just understand that there's a just a collective problem right now? The Bills took a step towards correcting one of them. 
this morning. But this is just one piece. And we'll see how much this affects um, all the other pieces. But that's only something that uh, that's only something that time will be able to tell. I'm trying to find a couple more notes here from the internet to see if there's anything else surrounding this situation that's unfolded here. It does seem so like the the more we I continue to think about what what's transpired today, the more it's just the, my overall takeaway beyond Ken Dorsey losing his job. I just always thought that Ken Dorsey losing his gig was inevitable. The big takeaway for me is is really Sean McDermott is now in in coach for your job territory. That's the thing. I mean, we all know a head coach change is about as major of a change as you can make in this league. It's the the biggest moves you can make are a change at quarterback and a change at head coach, and that's looming right around the corner. And I just think that one, you know, one crack in the dam needed to be exposed in order for the whole thing to kind of bust open. And the cracks there, the Ken Dorsey firing is the crack, and I think that the McDermott explosion of the dam just seems like it's it's an, it's more inevitable than ever right now i mean the overall you know i will say there's a lot of I'm just just from a couple of quick scrolls here. There are a lot of um, people very happy right now. There are a lot of people that are very uh, very adamant in their support of Ken Dorsey. Caroline just brought me some tissues. Good, still got that cold going. But this is my this is my take. On, on the people, so this, this is once again, there's there's a variety of ways people look at this. And there's also this this crew of people out there that are like major defenders of Ken Dorsey, almost to the point of people who are like that with Josh Allen. Now, I'm not saying this particular person is, I'm just, I don't really, I don't even know who he is really. I'm just talking about an example. This is a, a PFF writer, uh, Brad Spielberg, is it? Spielberger? And this is his take, just as I scroll here, trying to get a sentiment of, of people's reactions to this. And Brad says, uh, the, the Bills offense is third in EPA per play, first in success rate, and seventh in scoring drive rate. Not sure Dorsey is the problem. The problem I have with that is, 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 is Dorsey the solution? The way that this offense has been operating, I, I understand people wanting to go to these stats to make sense of it all and make it seem better than it really is. But the stats the stats don't win you football games. These these Bills have had these stats for months, but I've also watched these Bills in the last, what, six games play the exact same type of football and damn near lose every single one of those games. So the stats, yeah, they're great. And I understand wanting to use the stats. I like looking at stats myself. I totally get it. But... 
using stats to try and and justify Ken Dorsey not being an issue, to me, I'm not entirely sold on, just because I don't think Ken Dorsey was a solution. And as I was talking about earlier, the way that this Bills team is currently constructed, I think you're either a solution, you're either a solution or you need to be gone. And I don't think that Ken Dorsey was has proved that he's a solution by any means. But I've also said I don't think he he also proved that he was the overall Achilles heel to this team's success. But then again, it doesn't matter. I think if you're anywhere in the middle ground there, you need to find a way to move on and get better. And that's exactly what they did. And after what they've done the last two months, with the exclamation point being last night, you got to make a move and something's got to give. And Ken Dorsey, the newest coach, right? A coach that nobody has really had overwhelming, collective, glowing comments about since he became the offensive coordinator with no DC to blame, nor would they get to blame the way this defense is, is being um, you know, displayed currently. Who else was going to be the guy thrown thrown to the uh you know, thrown as the once again I, I say it, the, the sacrificial lamb. Who was it going to be? It was always going to be Ken Dorsey. Always. And I see these stats constantly. Everybody, I keep seeing these stats brought up about how great this Bills offense is. But does that account for the amount of turnovers they have, the terrible starting field position that they always have? I mean, does that account for the horrendous first halves that they have? Or do these stats get carried back up in what they do in the fourth quarter? I don't know. But all I know is, how can this offense be real? How can it be that great when they have eight or less points in the first half of the last five of the six, of, of the six games they've played? How can the offense be that great? How can the offense be that great when they have barely held a lead in any of these games outside of the Bucks game, or they haven't had a lead at all until the late game, if, if ever, or late in the game, if ever? I understand the stats, and I think that they speak to, the, to what this Bills offense can be. I just don't know how that's representative of what the team is. And, and, and I don't know how I, I don't, or what I'm getting at is I don't know how it's representative of what you discern from this team and who they currently are. Yeah, the stats are there and that's fine. But this Bills team is five and five and have n- seemingly no life on offense when you watch them. Um, It, it is, it is, I will say though, it never ceases to amaze me that the stats do say what they say. I just don't know how it's even possible. It blows my mind. I think it's a, mi- a mix of turnovers, a little mix of bad luck, a little mix of bad field position, and uh, just a, a healthy dose of lack of execution, lack of creativity, flat out poor football. I think it's a combination of a lot of bad things. But My biggest my biggest question before we wrap up right now, though, who is going to be the offensive coordinator of these Buffalo Bills next year? Lewis Riddick tweeted, soon you run out of coordinators to replace and have to dig deeper to the core of the problem. It's kind of a bit of a shot there as we talk about the defensive coordinator being moved on from the offensive coordinator being moved on from. 
it just does feel like something bigger is looming. It just doesn't it feel like that? This move feels like something else is around the corner. And I feel like that's just inevitable at this point. Raymond Ramirez coming in. He's saying they'll fix it so Miami game is a heart attack. Yeah, I'm kind of in that boat. It's hilarious to me that I just know no matter what this team has displayed, it feels like it's inevitable that they will do whatever it takes to be able to get into some sort of contention and break our hearts in the process. It just seems so billsy. They're never just out of it completely. They always seem to be in it right to the end. Even back in the day. And then something horrific would happen. Josh Winder coming in. Dorsey's playbook or play calling? We're not changing the playbook midseason, so the firing feels irrelevant to me. New face calling the same place. I mean, that's where I'm getting at as well, where I'm saying to not expect this drastic change. I don't know how you could. And maybe there'll be some more inspiration offensively because that seems to be what happens when a, when a coach is fired. You just saw it with the Raiders. Seems like anytime there's a changing of the guard, there seems to be some emotion that's instilled within the the uh, the team, and they execute accordingly. So maybe you'll see that, but that eventually wears off. I'm sure it's not going to be this overhaul. Joe Brady doesn't have a playbook, like you said. The playbook is what it is. But you know, maybe Joe Brady comes in and, and maybe he. Um, one, maybe he gives Allen some more say in it. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe he maybe he runs the ball a bit more than they have. Maybe they scheme things up to make it easier for Allen to go with the easy route as opposed to, you know, continuously trying to take these tougher throws that have been getting them into trouble. I don't know. There's tweaks that Joe Brady can make, I guess. There's not going to be a new playbook. There's going to be tweaks he can make. Um, but overall, this is just going to be a very interesting end of the season here, nonetheless. Anytime you have a midseason firing, it's always interesting to see how things play out. And uh, we got a seven-game sample size to see what this looks like. A seven-game sample size in front of us to save the season. Seems like a, a Herculean task that is all but impossible. But who knows? Maybe they shock us all. A couple more here before we close up shop. Um, Benjamin coming in here saying, Z-Bot, you know this firing isn't what was wrong with, with number 17. I mean, I agree. I, this firing wasn't benefiting, or excuse me, the, 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 the once again, the, the offensive coordinator situation was not benefiting this team, I don't think. But I don't think it was the reason Allen's been playing as poorly as he has. There are so many people out there that want to tell you that the, the interceptions are because of the coaching and the overthrows and the drops and whatever the hell else are because of the coaching. I just don't know how you can possibly come to that conclusion. But there is also elements of this team that have been blatantly on the coaching staff, including their inability to seemingly stick with what works at times. Like last night, they go no huddle and they don't do it until midway through the third quarter after they know they had known it was working against the Bucs. They didn't do it once last week against the Bengals. They didn't run the ball enough last night, it felt like, based on how successful they were running the ball. That felt like an issue. Constant problems, it feels like, in the red zone at times. There also was just no seeming, seemingly no creativity as well. 
just seemed like everything was very black and white offensively. And it wasn't resembling of what we've seen in the past from this offense. Just kind of seemed like everything was very for like nothing ever seemed easy. Every single offensive series lately for these bills has seemed labored and um, like an uphill battle. And it's crazy because you back in the day, you know, you would look forward to every opportunity you would have to see Josh Allen with the ball. And now it's almost like you're scared to see what's going to happen next because anymore, you're just kind of bracing for the turnover or bracing for the bad thing to happen, right? The four and out or the punt or the turnover or whatever. It didn't used to be like that. And if getting rid of the coach in order to try and reinstill a different type of culture that doesn't resemble that, I can't fault it at all. Ben saying you're tricking yourself that the problem isn't 17. I'm not tricking myself at all. I think 17 right now has been just as much of the problem as just about anybody else. I mean, if you're saying that to to the, you know, as a general statement, um, I agree with you. I, I think if anybody thinks that he isn't a contributing aspect to this team's problem right now, there it's just um there's nothing there's nothing you can say to those people, is what I'll say. To the people who are so uh, lockstep in their in their thought process of Josh Allen and the role he plays in the team's direction here. And if it ever goes south and he has no, you know, they 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 give him no um no say in that in that downfall at all, then you're they're never going to ever. There's nothing that they could ever see where they're gonna sw- change their mind. So I, I'm just kind of done with I, I I don't I don't argue with those people. I'm done with it. I just wanna I always try to let it know and be fair and honest about where I where I stand on this situation at times. And I try to make it known when I feel as though there is a problem being um portrayed from the quarterback because you don't really see it anywhere else. No one ever no one ever really wants to speak on it within the fan base at least. You see it, you see it everywhere else. You know, I'm not going to be the I'm not going to be on the opposite end of things though like like some of the national guys are and just rip him to shreds. I don't know if that's deserved. But he has certainly deserved of being criticized. He he's been he, the the football lately has just not been it's been below average in my opinion and it feels like if it was just average to slightly above average, it didn't need to be Josh Allen 13 second game. It just felt like it needed to be your standard run of the mill performance, and they would be maybe seven and three, six and four right now. But with the turnovers, the in the in the constant forcing of the ball, it feels like the decision making. I don't know. And above all, it's the one thing that's so hard to be able to describe. It just feels off. And you say that, and it's like, well, what do you mean? It's like I don't really know what I mean. But when you watch the games, you know. If you know, you know. You watch the games, and it just feels off. It's back to what I was just talking about. It used to be, you know, an overwhelming excitement every time Josh Allen got the ball and you couldn't wait to see what was happening next. And now it's an overwhelming sense of paranoia where you're just on the edge of your seat, not waiting for the greatness to happen, but for for something to implode. And that's not a good place to be. And you don't feel that way when your quarterback's playing great. And he's not playing great right now. But we'll see if this is a spark to to turn it the other direction. 
Uh, Michael McCann coming in. I hear a rumor that Allen hasn't been throwing in practice. Is that true? Does the injury require offseason surgery? Could that be the problem? I don't know. I haven't heard that rumor. I haven't heard that anywhere, really. That's interesting, though. This is the first time hearing of that. Um, you know, I, I get it with the shoulder. With the, 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 the shoulder, it was the same thing last year that many thought was a problem. I think it seemed like more of a problem last year. It just seems like the, the things Allen's doing right now aren't because of a, fi- a lack of physical ability. You know what I mean? Like, he's still gunning the ball down the field as, as quick as ever, as long as ever, fast as ever. Um, that, to me, doesn't seem like the problem. Like, a, a physical injury isn't the reason you're throwing telegraphed interceptions once a week at this point. I mean, six straight games with a pick, two last night. Six straight. Allen has led the league in interceptions every single year he's been in the NFL. How you can't look at that and think that that's some sort of an issue, I'll never know. Um, and the reason it's been, you know, it's been overlooked in the past is because the Bills have had the success. But now when they're on the verge of missing the playoffs and all of this is happening, it becomes more prominent, doesn't it? W- winning masks everything. Now, Allen, of course, has great numbers in other areas that, that are, you know, able to supplement the amount of interceptions, surely. But not this season. The numbers are there, but the overall execution and the overall number of wins in the win column are not. And that's why it's tough to be able to make this logical argument that he has been the reason that the Bills are winning this season. I mean. Of course, there are times where that is true. But if you look at a game like last night, if you look at the game, like the, like the Jets game, for instance, he, Josh Allen single-handedly lost the Bills that game. And how big does that game look today? Just one more, one more win right now would be massive for the Bills. It would just be massive. There's that game. The Patriots game, first play of the game for the Bills. A telegraphed interception, giving the Patriots a 10-0 lead that the Bills could never dig themselves out of. You know, it's, um, it's a tough spot to be. But once again, to, to put a bow on it, there's a lot of issues to go around, not single-handedly on, on one particular person, in my opinion, or one particular unit. But today we saw the first uh, domino fall here Ken Dorsey fired as offensive coordinator it seemed like it was a surefire thing to happen when it was going to happen was TBD happened earlier than I anticipated but this is a new era for the Buffalo Bills it was a new era not all that long ago just a little over a year ago started the Sean uh the Sean McDermott Ken Dorsey era and then all of a sudden this year was a new era with Sean McDermott, defensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, offensive coordinator era, and now it's a new era again. Hopefully it's a better era. This particular moment in time, it, it's, it might just seem like it's going, it, this is exactly, an interim period is the best way to put it. I'm not in, anticipating anything incredible because Joe Brady, the quarterback coach, is taking over going into week 11. I just don't I don't think that's a fair way to look at it. Um, but like I said, maybe there's some sort of spark that comes from this. 
and maybe they're able to use that. Maybe we find out that Ken Dorsey was just the worst, most unqualified coach that we've ever seen in our life. Maybe that happens. Who knows? But this seems more like a thing that you look at towards next year and say, you know, what's next and how is it going to affect this team in a good way, in a positive way? And who's it going to be? Who's going to be the guy to be able to, 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 um, to execute that? So many questions in play, a lot to be answered, but only time will tell for the majority of these things. And um, that's where we close it up. Almost three hours on a Tuesday morning. How about that? Not only did we kick her off in the morning, a rarity for the smoke break, but also we got major breaking news in the middle of it. How about that? What a show today on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. And I'm so happy and so much love goes out to you guys for joining me in the middle of the day on a Tuesday. How about that? You guys are the best. Appreciate you working with me on the uh, on the schedule change here. And uh, once again, unfortunately, it had to be a therapy session. Another one. We've had far too many this year. Today was more of a funeral session than anything, but that quickly pivoted to a conversation that I didn't anticipate we were going to be having. Breaking news in the middle of the show. You got to love it. And I'm glad we were able to uh, experience this moment of Bill's history together much love to you guys hope you get through the rest of the week all right i know it's gonna be tough it's gonna be tough for me too but chin up we'll see what happens i don't know seven more games jets on sunday i'll see you in the same place on monday night next week we will talk about that game recap and hopefully we have more to talk about in regard to this recent coaching change in the meantime enjoy the rest of your week folks much love as always Go Bills. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.